Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Flank, man. I'm joined by Patrick Price, a.k.a. X. We got Christopher Duarte, a.k.a. Parasite. We got the one and only Benja Nassim. And today, we got a special guest in the building. We got the COO of the Minnesota Rocker, Brett Diamond, with us, joining us to start the show. What's going on, Brett Diamond? What's happening, man? What's up, guys? Good to be here. Yeah, bro. We saw uh, we saw the little event that you guys threw this past weekend. It, it seems like it had a really good turnout, man. It seems like uh, you guys had a really cool thing going on over there. How'd, how'd that all go? Yeah, it was a pretty exciting event um, in Madison, Wisconsin. Had um, a little bit under a thousand fans in the building. Um, That's dope. You know, as everybody saw, played a played a couple matches live against uh, Florida and LAG and. That's the first of two of those events. We're going to host another one in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. Overall, for us, it uh, felt like a really good event. Uh, fans were pumped. The vibes were good. Um, and yeah, it's uh, exciting to have some fans in person this stage. Yeah, for sure. I know, Ben, I know you had uh, some questions that you wanted to ask Brett. I know there was... Uh... Uh, some some controversy. I mean, it's not Brett's fault. There were some things that were that were being said on socials and stuff uh, about like competitive integrity and stuff. But but Ben, what what kind of questions do you got for Brett Diamond? Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 kind of um. I'm I'm gonna get to it with this series of questions. But Brett, I think the best way to start is sort of walk us through kind of. Um, I know we've seen the home series in the past in the Overwatch League. Like we haven't seen it before on the COD side in regards to the format that you guys did. So walk us through kind of where you guys got the idea from, how much help you got from the league, like. From your eyes then sort of start to finish how this all got organized yeah absolutely so we started working on the concept last summer um, and really after we hosted major two of of last season just the the excitement that we saw out of rocker fans there we wanted to find ways to just create more live events um, for our fans and we decided pretty early on that it wasn't going to make sense for us to host another major and you know happy to get into the details of why that is but they're just you know they're you know very, you know, very logistically challenging, very expensive events to put on. Um, and so we didn't, we wanted to host one of those maybe every other year. Um, but we still wanted to find a way to host um, live events for our fans. And at the same time, wanted to think about how to create a more sustainable live event, uh, live event business model. Um, and so we started going down this road last July, had several conversations with the league, started talking with other orgs about it. And then as it got closer to the schedule coming out, we started to zero in on what teams were really interested in being a part of it. Um, and ultimately, um, the four teams that are participating agreed to um, to come out to Wisconsin and Minnesota. Um, Seattle Surge also agreed to come, but we didn't. We weren't able to find kind of the right matchup for for those guys to create a, a third event. Um, and so, that, yeah, that's the short version of it. Happy to happy to go down any of the rabbit holes you guys are are interested in. Yeah, I think the big question that a lot of people had, I'm sure you saw on Twitter, were some of the pros um, were had some questions about how over in this event you guys had two games, whereas LAG and Florida only played once. Can you speak on sort of how that happened? Was that a decision that you guys made? Was that a decision the league made? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the goal at the start of it was to be able to schedule it so the other two teams would also play each other, so every team would play twice. Um, unfortunately, the way the schedule worked out, that just wasn't possible with um, with these matchups. Um, but as we think about like what this concept could look like in the future, that would definitely be a goal. That if we if we followed the same format in the future, if other teams do, um, which is part of the idea, um, that each team would play each other twice. 
Um, so that, that was really, that's what we started with. And, you know, we ended up with, you know, not being able to make that part of it work. Um, but still, you know, still wanted to bring the event together. It's basically like from the league side, like in order to pull that off, you'd probably need like a multi-day event, right? Just because of volume of matches and other matches going on elsewhere throughout the league. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, I, I think it's possible. Um, it just kind of takes a little more, I'd say, creative scheduling than was possible this, you know, this time out with an event like this. Like, it's a new format. It's a new concept. Um, sometimes you have to prove that it works before you can get more kind of flexibility on scheduling and things like that. And so, you know, we think we accomplished you know, at least some of that yesterday with... Like I loved watching like just the, you know, the, like the chat on the stream where people were, you know, people were genuinely confused. They thought it was a major, they weren't sure what was going on. Like that's the kind of stuff we wanted to see because it was important to us that um, the, you know, the perception of the event was like that the production level was still, you know, still awesome for fans and that fans either watching on stream or in the venue were still having an awesome time. So now that, in my opinion, now that we've shown that we can do that, um, hopefully we can get, you know, get, I'd say, more favorable scheduling around this in the future. But, you know, well, that's all for, you know, figuring yeah. out next year. Yeah, I, was saying, I don't think as much you can do this season. Now, you still do have one of these homestands later on uh, this um, uh, this year and during the fifth major cycle. I wanted to kind of follow up on something you said. So, like, outside of some of the other learnings you discussed, like, are there other things that you guys are taking away from this home series that you want to apply to the one that's going to happen later on this year? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, we we plan to sit down with our staff in the next few days, and um, we try to do this after you know any event or anything big that we do, and just really you know figure out um, you know what what went well, what can be improved upon. I mean, that's sort of what's at our core of everything we do. So, um, you know, I don't see like the basic bones of the event changing. Like that's that's pretty well established at this point. Um, you know, but we like I know I know obviously, and I'm happy to chat yeah. about it. Like what. Um, you know, what was out there in Twitter from, you know, from Clay and, and others. Um, yeah. But like outside of that, we definitely want to get feedback from the players on how it went both so we can think about the next event and um, obviously working with the league and other teams, what this concept can look like in the future. Because the core idea here has always been to prove a, di a new live event business model. And hopefully it's something that multiple teams can do in the future. Have the you crazy guys, thing is, my bad, Ben, but we oh, actually, that's actually what the league used to, like, was supposed to look like in the early stages. We were supposed to, like, well, not we, but um, the teams were supposed to fly out, like, to, like, the home series and play each other in their league matches. Like, that was actually, like, the original, like, format. It kind of got scrapped because teams were like, oh, we don't want to, like, fly around or people don't want to, like, well, COVID fly around too, for, like, it wasn't COVID, oh, that too. The COVID, COVID was, like, a really big COVID. This is pre-COVID. Oh, pre before COVID happened. Yeah. Oh, it did? Oh, yeah. okay. It was yeah. pretty, it was like, it was pretty early. It was like when franchising first was like a thing, like they, we, they, that was the whole like concept. Like I, I, even like the first, like a uh, Minnesota event that um you guys like put on for the first, like the friend, like it was like in modern warfare. Like that yeah. was just like league matches. It wasn't like a tournament. Right. So I think yeah, that like, yeah. that's like, I think what was supposed to happen, like something similar to that, which is kind of interesting that people are, or you're trying to do it now, which is, uh, I think it's cool. Yeah, and you know those those events and the format changed a couple of times in the lead up to that first season, and then obviously COVID, like you said, COVID scrapped every, everything. But like the you know those were going to be, I think they were three day events with eight teams coming out. And part of the idea here, like you know, majors will always be a, an important part of what CDL is, and really any you know any esport or traditional sport, you have to have those big tentpole events. 
Um, but you know, those cost a million dollars plus to produce. Like you, oh, it's yeah. not sustainable for, um, for a, an individual org to host those every year. Some might, but you know, from my, from our perspective, that wasn't something that we felt we could do every single year. Um, what we were doing with this event, like we scaled that down where we could host five or six of these for the same cost, same thing that it would cost to put on a major. And so that was part of when I talk about like proving a live event business model, like that's the idea is that um, for orgs that either don't want to host a major every year or, um, you know, don't want to host a major at all. This is something that we think is something that multiple orgs, hopefully every org can host every year, possibly multiple times a year. So, you know, that's where like we viewed it as more than about, you know, any one event. Um, it's about creating something that is more sustainable and is something that can grow in the future. My, uh, my question to you, Brett, is like, I, I agree. And I'm curious if any owners or specific teams have hit you guys up, like over the course of the weekend and be like, Hey, once you guys have your learnings from this, like, let us know. Cause we're really thinking about doing this next season. Like if you had any specific teams or any number of teams, like hit you guys up already. Um, well, so part of when we were talking to the other teams about this, we committed to sharing, you know, sharing the financials, sharing how things went operationally, just sharing all the details from it, because that was, you know, that was part of the goal and part of how why we viewed it as a test drive. Um, so our plan from the start has always been to share that back with, um, with the other orgs. Um, so that again, it can, you know, hopefully serve as a blueprint or not necessarily exactly this, but something like this can potentially be done in the future. And, you know, part of it is it's all about creating a path to more LAN events, right? Like that's always something that, yeah. um, you know, that's w always been something that we've w advocated for. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, more better, the better but, for sure. But these that was going to be my next question. LAN events though, right? They're just the, on, they're just matches on LAN, correct? Like when, for me, when I hear LAN events, I think a tournament. And I think that's probably an issue just with the CDO in general is that we're still doing show matches for points instead of actual tournaments on a weekend to weekend basis. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a good point. And there's, you know, obviously, a, you know, certainly a good discussion to be had about the merits of kind of different formats. Um, my view is that if, if we want to try to make the local franchise model work, events like this are going to be key to it. Like we heard from a lot of our fans at this event and just like over the past couple months, like, you know, a lot of fans love going to majors, but that's a big, you know, that's a big commitment, right? Like that's a whole mm -hmm. weekend um, from purely a fan perspective, being able to do a one day event is a little more, I'd say like, it's a little more digestible. It makes it easier to bring new fans in and that sort of thing. So, and again, it's not about replacing majors. It's about creating something that can kind of coexist alongside it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, hundred, a hundred percent. It's definitely more doable to, to do a one day event than a whole weekend for some people, right? It's a lot easier. People have like obligations, work, school, whatever. It's easier to get there one day for sure. But Ben, any more questions you got for Brett Diamond? I have two more questions. I have one, oh. this is a final follow-up on this and one more like kind of uh, off-topic question, but also I think one that people want to hear from. So there's kind of a last thought, like what is your guys' current thinking next year? Like is your, is your goal to split the difference and do maybe one or two of these and host an event or... Uh, host a major or are you trying to maybe do more of these home series and then maybe host a major like a year or two from now yeah i it's uh, i wouldn't say we've figured that all out yet like we want to obviously talk with the league and talk with the other teams um you know we want players to be a part of that discussion too like what makes sense once we've had the learnings from these events um you know i think our focus would probably be trying to do more of these um rather than host a major next year but 
you know, it's a little too early to tell. And I mean, one, one thing I do want to say, and, um, you know, I appreciate, you know, what I, you know, what I heard you guys saying about like some of the competitive concerns are more league issues, but one of the things that was really important to us is we were putting this together. Um, number one, our staff spent a ton of time figuring out like anything that impacted the players, anything on the stage equipment, um, the production, um, that all of that was done to the same standard that we've had when we've hosted majors in the past. So we didn't want it to be like anything less than that. So the, the standard and the attention to detail was really high. Um, and, you know, I understand the competitive concerns. Um, one thing I would say to that is anything, any of the issues that have been raised, all of those things exist at majors currently. So there's nothing that, you know, there's nothing new to, sort of competitive COD as we've known it the past couple of years. And that was a, that was an important piece to us from the start was to, to meet that standard. People were asking while I was smiling because you're describing, I think I know a couple of people on your end, they were probably working on one on that and that stuff. And they've always been very passionate in regards to doing right by the players and teams and sort of competitive ideas. Um, so I feel you guys on that. And I'm glad that you guys are kind of embarking on this exploration on these events and I hope they go off well, but I think one more question uh, while we have you here, Brett, and I got this one from Fidget Memer on Twitter. I thought this was a really interesting question. I want to ask you about it. It was a question for you. Can you describe other efforts that you and other owners are making to grow the league that you think are getting underreported or that the community is not currently aware of? Interesting. Uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say anything, you know, immediately comes to mind, but I think, like, I mean, we've talked about this, you know, before. Like, I don't think orgs can just sit around and like the league has a has a role to play in all of these things. And we are we are an org that behind the scenes is very vocal with with Activision and the league on things that we think are important. Um, but we as orgs, we can't just sit around and wait for the league to solve our problems or solve the problems with the industry that, you know, that exists. Like we need to try new things and um, and, you know, and work to create that sustainability that, you know, that I kept referencing, like, that's why yeah. we view something like this as important to, um, to experiment with. And you don't get that, you don't, you don't get there overnight. Like you have to prove that something like this works before you can, before all 12 teams can do it or multiple teams can do it. Yeah, I actually wanted to commend you on that because basically the way you made it seem um, is basically you just had this idea that you wanted to put on and see if it could be viable or you thought it'd be like fun to put on to see if we can potentially um, change the landscape of the league. And you guys didn't have to do that. So for you guys to actually sit there and, and want to do things to to make the league better for players or, or even just more sustainable in terms of a business model is uh, it's really cool. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we have people like you guys in the the scene no i appreciate that and you know I, I definitely appreciate um you know florida and lag and and boston and london being a part of this first you know first uh you know first foray in this and like i said seattle had agreed to come out too uh we just couldn't find a matchup for them so um you know and i know i know there were some frustrations by some of the players um and you know our staff tried to do the best they could to you know to make everybody feel comfortable um, but you know, that's, that'll be something that we think a lot about going forward is, you know, what does each, everybody that has a piece of this, whether it's fans or players or the league or other teams, like if this, if we're going to try to do a model like this or whatever the model is going forward, like, how do you make that, um, you know, something that works for everybody and you're said than done. 
Cool. Well, I think uh, unless you all have other questions, I think just to, to wrap it up, Chris or uh, 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 Brett, I think uh, my kind of thoughts is appreciate you got you hopping on, and I think we want to chat again with you sort of after the next homestand and kind of see sort of your final kind of wrap up thought uh, on this, because again, I think for everybody on the show, we want to see more events and whether they're tournaments or stuff like this. Like, I'd love to see you know a couple other teams run them next year with maybe the aspirational goal of after the year after that so on and so forth so that we you know maybe every weekend somewhere somewhere in the u.s there's three or four teams playing matches on land and hopefully with a land game server obviously so those are kind of my thoughts and appreciate you coming on yeah brett thank yeah. you very much for, for hopping on the show man take your time out of your day to come hop on and answer some questions you're a real one for that so i just really appreciate it thank you very much no appreciate it guys if you don't mind me giving a shameless plug for our nah, next go event, ahead and uh, plug it yeah, May May sixth um, at the Palace Theater in downtown St. Paul. RockerTickets.gg. Uh, we've got Boston and London coming out for it. So uh, obviously local fans, it's easy to get to. You know, if anybody wants to fly in for it too, we, we'd love to have you. So appreciate oh, yeah. it. Appreciate the chance to come on, guys. And yeah, uh, yeah love the love the show. Thank you so much, Thank you, Brett. Brett. Thank you very much. Have an awesome day, man. Thank you again for coming on, and uh, you have a good one, man. Have a good one. All right, thanks, guys. Take care, man. Take care. Hey, show some letter bread diamond, ladies and gentlemen. Get a red and a tag and some W's, man. Hey, man, it's not often we get the COO of the Minnesota Rocker or any team to hop on the show. And shout out to you, Ben, because, Ben, I know you were talking to Brett. You're the one who yeah. got him on the show, like, last minute. I didn't even know he was coming on, Um, but Ben was talking to him, and he had some yeah, questions he, he, up, so. he hit me up uh, yesterday, and I was like, well, we should get him on today instead of doing a separate show, because I think, I think just being topical to it would be good. I think you and I, Tom, have talked about. I think if the if it works out right, I know Rocker want to have us uh, at the uh, at the event. They had Dylan doing a watch party at the last event. I think we'll try our best to see if we can figure out maybe going to St. Paul for a day. That would be kind of cool. Yeah, no, you shout out to Brett Diamond once again. And uh, guys, we had three matches today. We had some good games. Um, eh, Pat, I would say Pat, you said two matches happened today. No, maybe not so much uh, the second match, but <clears throat> yeah. Uh, we're obviously going to talk about them. I say we hop into the first series and get it going. First series of the day, we got Toronto Ultra, the major three champions, going up against the Seattle Surge. We start things off on a Hydro Hardpoint, LLCO Surge, Hotel Control, Fortress Hardpoint, Fortress S&D. Uh, I'll let you guys start off with uh, any anything on the vetoes, anything that you guys saw in the veto process. Uh, I think the big thing for Seattle going forward is they, I just, Bocado, they're doing the classic Lamar accuracy, like having auto veto in every modes type deal. I think I really want to see them start to get Mercado in the pool. It really screws them in a matchup like this where they're giving Toronto like a really good map, respawn map in their tool set. Uh, I think it's just going to help Seattle long-term as you get the chance to just try and get some reps on your auto veto and start to get that like as a potential club in your bag. They will never get reps on their auto veto. I know, they've always, did. The, his teams have always been stubborn about this, bro. Uh, it is what it is. Well, just to get into the map a little bit, love the play from Hixie off the start with, with about 20, 30 seconds left. I like the early rotation from him over by that right side. I thought this was uh, just a really good play. That's like the difference maker. I think this is what Hixie does really well for these guys that just kind of, you know, I think that's what they really like about him is that a young player like this is taking initiative to make game-winning plays, and uh, this is what he did. He went, he went around. He actually ends up winning a big gunfight here. And then catches the timing in the back. He's actually able to flank this guy, Dome, who's kind of putting pressure on his teammates coming off old and able to take him out as well. So very good uh, opening break uh, here in the P2, but uh, or for Hicksy, good route. But I wanted to talk about this setup from Seattle Surge. And Chris, we, we got you back today. It's good to have you back, man. I know you've been uh, dealing here. with some challenger stuff, but I really <laughs> love the way Seattle Surge set up this P3. 
This was insane. They had a guy set up in the back blocking both bats, back spawns. Then they had a guy in hill, and then they had two guys pressuring front. Look at how deep Toronto Ultra is spawning here. Like, this is one of the cleanest P3 holds I've seen. In terms of, like, I don't know if they got the full 60, but they got so much time before Toronto even was even able to get near the hill. I just thought it was a yeah, great Fred, setup. Fred just did a really good job of, like, getting out on that water. And that's actually a sneaky play. If you can just, like, kind of, like, hug that bridge, a lot of people won't check it. They'll, like, most people will just anticipate you to be, like, holding the top platform or the outer pipe. So, Fred made a pretty good play to stall out this uh, hill pretty, pretty far off the rip of the the objective yeah no it was, it was definitely a good setup and then as we go into uh the second p3 uh i kind of want to go into the second rotation here because it was very back and forth we'll tune in to a quick listening with the seattle surge we'll see how they sound and then uh we'll get back to the map let's see how the boys over at seattle are sounding toronto ultra gonna be able to take the lead right on back but let's step aside and let's go to the comms with seattle surge see if they got some fight until i'm going to the next hill That's gonna do it for the boys over Seattle. How do you think the boys sound? Thought they sounded pretty good. Not too bad. No, it's good. It's good energy yeah, uh, from Seattle Surge. Not too, not too shabby. Then we get into the second rotation of uh, hard points. This is where I thought Toronto could maybe build a little bit of a lead. They get here uh, early over to uh, this P3. Uh, it's AG who's the only one that's here. And I like to play from AG, just kind of holding instead of just running at him and trying to make a play. Once you get yourself pushed up into a good position, he just plays a corner, plays a kill, and he ends up getting traded out. But I like that he was able to slow, slow down right there, not do anything crazy to his teammates get pushed up the map. And Seattle, because of that play that AG made, that allows Mac to get in there, kind of pushes Seattle back a little bit. And they're able to just kind of be a, be a nuisance on this hole. I believe Seattle, they end up taking a long route here. It's AG, who goes all the way around off that spawn. You can see him doing it now, kind of like what Hixie did in that P2. It's little things like this that, that lead to, to clean breaks um, in Seattle. They end up breaking this one clean. You can already see Kleenex. He goes to dip back to look at that flank. But because AG took such a deep route... He ends up pinching him behind him. And look at those spawns. Once AG blocks the back and his teammates are coming from front, that's going to spawn Toronto across the map until, of course, he gives up those back spawns to get some splits. But just a good break from Seattle Surge. I thought that was a, that was a big play to game right there. That was a good 30 seconds. Uh, and then this is where Toronto... This is where the game starts getting real gritty. Because Toronto go back on this P5. They're able to bring it back on a P5. And uh, once we go into a third set of rotations here... Uh, this is where things get really interesting. We go oh, into yeah. the we go into the P2 and Toronto. They're actually able to bring it back with a rotation. They set up. They push out Dome. They push out this left side. Seattle, uh, they have a hard time just getting in here until like about the last 10 seconds. You can see Seattle. So Toronto can actually win off this whole time. So yeah, um, they have a pretty good hold. And then Seattle, they just kept that pressure on them. They kept running at them. And they finally get in there to contest. 
so they stopped Toronto from uh, from winning. I thought Seattle might have trolled this year. I thought they were about to troll just because they, they lost that rotation as well. And Toronto had brought it all the way back. But Seattle did a good job, uh, you know, keeping this great. Well, they Tom, took some routes. Pause. And... Sorry to cut you off. I'm I, I really meant to my bad. But if you, I wanted to just get you at the right time in the VOD. If you back up real quick, and I think what really kind of sets this up is what we've talked about a lot on this map. And really, in general, on, on a lot of these maps, which is you give up the back, they're going to spawn there. Uh, and kill timing matters. And in the case of Toronto, those two players dying, both inside and Kleenex, well, they spawn old and are not able to assist on rotation had they had uh stayed alive for maybe a couple of more seconds they probably could have potentially spawned new and obviously what well, was an l would have been a dub well i think a good play from seattle too is not pushing the back spawns like when they get the kills they run off the point like they make sure they're not looking at those back spawns at all like they knew what they were doing spawning toronto out right there um it was kind of unfortunate ben because toronto has to keep has to stay at that hill yeah. like they're about to get the w like if they hold all that time they'll get the win but it was a good play from Seattle to get the kills through front and, and spawn those two players out so they can take routes and pinch on this old hill and, and kind of collapse. And this is the, at, at this point, this is just an absolute flood fest. Seattle do have the advantage here because they're spawning in the back. Obviously, two guys from Toronto uh, spawned old. So Seattle, they were able to close this one out. Got close because right here, I think it was Lamar. He's the last one in hill right there. If they get Lamar before he goes down... Uh, they might have been able to do something, but I'm Seattle actually surged. curious. I'm actually yeah. curious where uh, those Toronto players would have spawned if, when uh, like Hixie was backing up, he backed up P3, and the second guy to spawn just they stayed P5 instead of like running away. Because you'll notice one of the one of the Seattle players actually spawned P5, and then it caused them like a split, which ended up like losing the game. But I don't know. It's just interesting because, like Penn said, the the timing of kills matters so much that like you have to block the spawns until people spawn up because if you leave it open for a second on those hill transitions that's when you start getting those weird split transition spawns mm -hmm. and it can fuck you which it which it did for toronto at the end of the day yeah before we get into the second map uh a clip came in uh over on the reddit i think we should go to a live listening see what was said in the clip uh benjay it's a little clip from yeah. you let's tune in and see yeah. what benjay nasim had to say uh ben's thoughts on why pat dislikes the seattle surge let's see why does Pat hate Seattle so much? Uh, I think because he uh, is jealous uh, of the fact that uh, Lamar has a bunch of guys around him, and it's a good system, and I think that Pat's jealous that he wasn't able ever to pull it off. That's my personal uh, opinion as to why he's always talking about the Seattle situation, because he thinks that Lamar should get dropped for somebody better. And, you know, anyway. All right, let's go back to the flank. Pat, I want to get your initial thoughts. Um, where's your mind at right now? Do you agree with Ben Janassim said? We also got Doug Sensor Martin in the chat who said, I agree with Ben. Slayer, what's going on? Why are these guys at your neck, Slayer? Uh, Tom, I mean, what it, what it really comes down to is that just at this point, I've just become such a staple I here agree. On, on the flank that... People need to use my name for engagements, um, and it is what it is. Uh, I don't think there's anyone in the world in their right mind that believes I'm jealous of Lamar for any reason or whatever the reason Ben gave, which is that I didn't have hard carries back in the day. Listen, I'm glad. I'm glad I didn't have to play Modern Warfare 2019. I, I, will, I will be perfectly honest with all of you. I am perfectly happy that I didn't have oh, to suffer I? through that absolute miserable year of a 5v5 shit cod. I, I really am. Um, and got paid handsomely to do so, to, to, to sit there with my feet up. Um, anyway, listen, Tom, 
20 championships, two world championships. Yeah, now that's pretty good nah, resume. Slay. That's Decade a good resume, career. brother. I basically got every badge of an accolade that I could possibly have on my career. Absolutely nothing to be jealous of. Got a got a phenomenal career after the fact. Doing what card do you buy with the uh, LAG money? Doing absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I bought a I bought a 2020 uh, Nissan GTR that uh, Kenny <laughs> decided to to copy in the in the black <laughs> a few years later because he he just couldn't stand knowing that that I had it. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, there's just nothing to be said there. I I, I think I'm just one of the only ones that calls Seattle as they see them um these guys are just an inconsistent roller coaster and and i just call it how it is which isn't something you see often in the call of duty community so tom i think it just catches people off guard catches them by surprise that um you know one person calls calls things how they are and others just you know get on the dsg's mm -hmm. train mm -hmm. so to speak yeah, pat that's cool and all but you can't guard me anyways uh let's get back to the <laughs> Yeah, let's get back uh, to the map well, too. Well, I, I can't, Chris, but apparently you can't guard oh, the Boston no. Open Bracket. No. <laughs> Not the Damn, Boston Open Bracket, Chris. Damn, well, let's get <laughs> back the into the map. Bracket. Let's get back into the map. Uh, I really like the call from Seattle here. The first round was a super quick round. Seattle just ran up mid. They won a round in about 15 seconds. Can we get into the next round? I love how they play this 2v2 because they have the outskirts of the map. They end up just pushing through here. Lamar's end up, he's going to push through. He's going to get into their spawn. And he's just going to lock down the map. The, by Lamar doing this, that just allows Dante to get this bomb down. Lamar can see everything. He can see the whole cross. I think they knew the last two players were, were in mid-building. But Lamar just hit some really nice shots. So, really big plays from Lamar. He's able to pick up a two-piece. They go up 2-0. Honestly, Seattle, they go up pretty far in this one they go up one five in this one and it was toronto who ended up bringing it back but luckily for seattle they're able to hold on and we get into the to the set uh to the third round uh again uh toronto they try to do an a push but this was another quick round dante finds two top mid mac finds one in the site they completely blind counter uh the a rush from toronto which is cool to see ben we were talking about that yesterday uh yesterday how teams don't really blind counter that a point anymore that much uh, but Seattle, they weren't scared to get in there and just uh, and, and deny that A-plant. Um, so good plays coming out of them there. Uh, and then we get into this round. I, I, I love Seattle in this round because they, they, they slow played it and they played off their information and they broke some ankles. They were able to find a first blood over towards A-side and then they just wrapped the bomb back. But unfortunately for them, Insight and Scrappy they end up going big. This is uh, one of the rounds that I think uh, Seattle was... Uh, actually, no, I think they had to actually lose this round. Because uh, Seattle, they bring the bomb back into A here. So just some ankle breaks going on. I think Toronto was just having a hard time uh, reading Seattle in this one. You see they were able to pick out one guy to get the bomb down. And uh, just like that 2v1 situation, all comes down to Hixie. He actually almost clutches this. He finds one onto AG here. But because he gets tagged up, Dante, he gets the trade. They go up 4-0. This is where um, Ultra were finally able to take a round. They actually blind. They actually hit courtyard here on an offense, which we don't see very often. They hit through the double doors, and Kleenex just went absolutely rogue. Um, so Toby, he gets a couple kills. They push through court. Uh, they're able to get one round on a board, uh, and then this is the round where Seattle. They end up just playing picks here. They spread the map on an offense. They work through field, and uh, they were able to go up five one in this one. So a pretty good S and D from Seattle. I know Toronto was able to win a few rounds and, and bring it back. But Seattle, they were looking pretty comfortable in the search. And I know they had problems in S&D in the past, but what do you guys think? Uh, Seattle turned around their search game or what? Because they look better today in S&D for sure. They won both S&Ds today. 
Oh yeah, they've been looking a lot better. Um, I think they're starting to get their their map pool down. Uh, they might not always win, but they look competitive. On I think they're thought. What's their three maps right now? That's the it's the Asilo and Embassy. Yeah, those are the yeah. three maps. So they actually have three maps that they've actually played against a quite a decent amount of teams, and they've been looking a lot better. So, I mean, the the trend of Seattle, they're not so much a roller coaster anymore, Pat. They've been looking a, a lot better. Yeah, you may think that Pred might deserve a better team or Sib might deserve a better team that's going to, you know, consistently help them keep up. But, uh, hey, they're looking a lot better, and they're, they're, they're starting to find some consistency in a game mode that before they couldn't win at all. I think uh, it's a combo of they, they've got a really good handle. We watched some of these series now, I think recently, they've done a really good job of counter-striking teams, but it also seems like their situational play has also really improved. I just like the commits to B that they had here. There's a, a round, I think, later on. Well, they uh, should have ended it here, Ben. They should have yeah, ended, ended it here. But the last round, when you'll get to, I thought the situational round call they had on that final round was really, really good. So I just tipped Seattle. I mean, we were really... Critical their search for two majors and they've really turned it around. I think right here, Lamar, I, I think he just thought that somebody was going to run by him because they were putting pressure on the pinch. But I think Lamar just needs to make a move a little bit earlier. He just needs to get closer yeah. to his teammates. I know he's watching the flank, but he's just so far away that I feel like he should either challenge the guy in the pinch and if he's not there, go. Or just like, just move earlier, you know? Like if you're going to wait there and see if he crosses, like just play your timings a little bit better there. But Lamar played great in the search. He played, uh, he had a good, uh, good series today, but... I thought that right there is probably where they should have ended it. And in Ultra, they hold on a defense. They bring this back. We go to the 4-5 round, and this is where Seattle Surge were able to close it out. I mean, but you said you like their situational play in, uh, in this round. They got a lot of information from the streak in this round. They called a streak. They know the B side is open. Mac is going to drop that bomb. And you can see Dante now, after calling the streak, he's going to get pushed up. And I like the I like the play from Lamar, like late flanking uh, radio and getting behind him with an AR. Because if he can find one top party, which he does here, boom. At this point, you could just hit the spawn out, flip the map, uh, and get the W. So good job from Seattle. They end up going up 2-0. We'll take a look at the final scoreboard. 10-4 and from Sib. He had a fantastic map. Uh, even four from Lamar. So he went double pause. Everybody pulling away from Seattle. On the other side, everybody negative except for Kleenex. Any final thoughts on a map too, guys? Pat, any final thoughts? No, nah, not really, Tom. I mean, look, they're they're looking better, but I still don't think that they're they're deserving of the gas that we may be giving out. I mean, we saw yesterday LAT still handled them, you know, pretty easily. And so I, I don't know. I'm still kinda yeah, they're gotten a little better at search, but that's not too impressive to me. Let me get into the to the map three. I thought Toronto had a really good break off here, and I was talking to Octane a little bit about it in the team speak. But it's really hard to defend this B uh, this B site uh, on the first round of the game because nobody has trophies, so you kind of get funneled by grenades and by tacks. And I think Toronto Ultra once they were able to get two ticks on this, they were golden because they're gonna spawn A. Like Seattle have no choice but to push this old. And they're just going to spawn Toronto at A. And they're just going to stack A, get A. Now they have the whole round to figure out how to get one tick on B. Um, so I just thought it was a really good break off. Um, teams are going to have to try and figure out ways. I mean, Chris, is, what is the best way you think to defend the B point off the rip with no trophies? Chris, are you muted? Oh, Chris, you're muted. Oh, you're I'm talking. muted, sorry. Oh, no, you're I think it just co it comes... <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah it's probably. Not, it's not right. Hey, hey, listen, bro, that clip is hilarious, bro. I knew Dan was live. I was just entertaining. It was funny, though. You're good, bro. But, um, Chris, what do you think? What bro? I wanted to say was, I think it's just, bl it's just blind countering. Because, like, teams opt to play this multiple ways. Sometimes teams like to hit main, right? And they like to, like, try to flank the guy on the, like, god heady. Sometimes teams just like to stack bed and, like, basically artillery strike the god heady. Um, I think it just comes down to a blind counter. Like sometimes you can like run down like 
bike like towards the l desk and like try to like cross in a bed or like you just like i don't know you just like bait out the nades before you actually like get onto like the, the spots on the map it's hard but it's not completely like chalked like you just have to like kind of guess correctly yeah. i guess i don't know i mean and it's it, it's it, it sucks but i mean it's just the game you're getting blind countered yeah and then yeah. i also like from toronto ultra here and i would love to see more teams do this because a lot of teams don't set this up but they just rotate back they just rotate back to their spawn and push out bed together like they just do something together they uh they like check out these corners like they just they do stuff as a team and they they obviously prioritize bed and just wrap back together granted they got the the seattle got the kills but they do it again toronto they do it again they rotate back towards bed, and this is where they were able to get some kills, uh, get some trades. Uh, they trade the guys out of bed, and they kind of pin these guys back on D1, D2, these these double desk area. They can't do anything. So yeah, uh, um, what happened prior to that? Because like you said, the Seattle cleaned them up. So like Seattle yep. created space after they cleaned them up. What happened that Toronto was able to even like attempt another hit at bed? Like, um, not Seattle, well, sorry, when, Toronto. When, when, when Toronto died, when they, cause at first they, they get through was AG who makes the play and they go, they go clean dead, mm -hmm. but Seattle, I think, yeah, two guys spawn right uh, on Toronto, but they rotate back again. Like scrap, he rotates all the way back. And then they also get another bedroom spawn because Seattle never got pushed up bedroom. So you can see that the yeah, spawn comes in. Yeah, I'm trying to watch right here. Because um, number five is just kind of doing a whole lot of nothing. And then number seven's by himself in bed tweaking. And then it, I think I think honestly that mainly just comes down to number five. He was just by the restaurant and like watch for if, he's not, if, he's not, if he's there for that long, like there's no reason why. You know I mean, like yeah, um, like and he, then, should, he should be doing something. And then like eight, he gives up mid, mid cross here, Chris. Like what Dante also like I, I don't know if he gets hit by a nade or something. Well, an I mean, AR he knows he knows sense. a guy's coming yeah. off spawn to his right. The guy mm -hmm. just got by him couches. Like he knows the timings. He knows where, yeah. where this guy's coming up. He just kinda he, unfortunate timing right there. Yeah, he, he felt he the presence. Shit timing, yeah. Bro. yeah. Cause I mean like you, you kind of just skip to like the scenario. So I was just like, what the fuck happened? Cause they just like it it looked like they just got to B point for free, damn yeah, near. Yeah, yeah. Now they just kept but they were trades bed, which which I like Chris, we see so many teams they try and take long routes going around the back. But the thing with that is I just feel like teams push out bed and they're like yo nobody's here like they're just pushing our spawn and then yeah. they just snake d1 d2 they play corners and they get finessed like obviously if you go around the back and get the kills it could work i just feel like it's hard to get the kills like that like yeah i think, realize I think the reason why they were even able to do it though it successfully was because they had a foothold i think in that scenario they did have a player in bed already like he was top and i think one of the seattle players snuck underneath them so ah. they already like created space for them to kind of like re like flood it you know what i mean like he might not have been able to get everything for him but like if you can get control of like top or bottom without getting pushed out you just you you hold you have a you have map presence so that means your teammates can come up and get to you at the very least and work from your positioning where if you have no control over that like it's it's impossible like it's yeah. so hard to like just break and toronto but, they, they set it up again uh they they go back onto the next one they go to a defensive round they win the defensive clean but seattle can't get the b point they go up 2-0, and then Toronto's able to close this out in a, a 3-0 fashion. They do the same thing. They spawn A-side. They rotate back towards bed. They trade the guy out of bed. One guy plays a late pinch. I don't mind one guy playing a flank. Like, one guy playing middle or one guy, like, trying to go around and be a nuisance. Like, spawn kill or just be, be like, a thorn in the side uh, of the other team. But they do a great job. They work the trades bedroom. They clear it out. They force Seattle back into those back left, like, jewel spawns, and they're able to close this one out. Scrappy had a really big map. He went 23-17, and 17, so good to see him bouncing back. 
uh, after a rough couple of maps. But any thoughts on the control? This is pretty comfortable for Toronto Ultra. They look good in this one. It, it was, but I still think C uh, Seattle like turtled. I think like Pred was like the only person like top bed at points. Yeah. And he ended up just getting ISO'd and then they ended up just you know flooding the guy like towards the desk if like, you get kills like you should push a bedroom like as fast as possible yeah. get as many people you should in definitely here. you should definitely try to cross like even if you can't get bedroom if you can get towards like bottom long and under the metal stairs like you essentially can just have a crossfire with your person that's god heady instead like i think seattle just kind of turtled to be honest yeah but then we like, get I'm into well in toronto okay well there go ahead ben. i uh i think the next time these two teams play like looking at kind of map pool and what maps they play struggling, i won't be surprised if we see expo next time these two teams play i mean toronto is just like the goaded hotel control team i know seattle is good as well i just i think it's seeing uh, seattle like take down every top control team on that map i would just stop playing them yeah is seattle else. good at a silo control mm, i don't think so toronto's played They're a three bit, and no. two seattle's three and two on the map and toronto is eight and two so Seattle's played it a little bit. That's what I'm saying. It's like a pick your poison thing. I mean, I feel That's like I don't, I, think, I don't think they see Expo. Scrappy was literally on the on like in the team speak earlier, basically saying the map was garbage. I think if anything, if they want to pick their poison, they might they maybe see in a silo. Yeah, be, no, I just I just think the hotel control might might not be the right play. But go ahead, Tom. No, I was just gonna say just to talk about the map a little bit. Um, uh, again, Seattle had such a good start, but Toronto really prioritized the P3s on this map. They prioritized them. They got 120 points on the P3s or close to that. Um, and I just feel like when you have a money hill like that, like as long as you're prioritizing that on this map, you should be good. Uh, I just felt like Toronto, they they them playing for those P3s really helped them out here. Uh, and then going into the second rotation. Uh, little mistake here um, from 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 Toronto. I would like to see them uh, block this P2 spawn coming off of P5. I just feel like so many teams, because they're not blocking. Like, number one's not blocking being here, obviously. Right, Chris? Like, they just spawned there. So, clearly, it's not working if, if it's true. Uh, but I feel like coming off of P5, you always want to hold P2. Always. I feel like off of if somebody's blocking P2, yes. if somebody's blocking, or sorry, P4, coming off of P4, yeah. going into P5, you want to block P2 because if you don't yes. if you don't block P2 and you get kills, you're just going to spawn them out behind you and you're not going to soak up any time. But if somebody's blocking and somebody wraps right P1 and you play like art and stuff and you get kills and you get them off the hill, now you yeah. just put them in a spawn trap. You know what I mean? P2 like is actually – P2 is an important spot to like block on not only P4 but P5 as well and even potentially on P1. So like most people will block um, from the top of the double stairs on that P1, but they can actually spawn P2 if you go a little too rogue. So like something I like to do whenever I'm blocking the spawn is usually those doors are open towards the side door. You just sit top dub and and you like look into P2 while you're also like presence yeah. dub. But I mean, yeah, e P2, even being in P2 open and spawn, you never want to go. I mean, even yeah, right yeah. there, like e whether you're in open close, like they still spawn like right behind you like somebody somebody needs to be blocking that um it, it, honestly just standing there like like hard blocking that yeah um, the hard the hard block that you need on this map is if you go so there's a spawn in on on p5 there's a spawn in p4 like on the railings like towards like a, like literally where p4 is and yeah. then there's the, the the p2 open spawn so best way to block that if you're trying to like block both is you just sit in the door of of like p4 and you just like wait there and they just they can't like go out you kind of just go rogue as much as you want in that point yeah and then seattle they lose fights here they had them pinned gate ultra was able to win the fight somehow a couple guys just got absolutely pooped on to be honest with you they actually end up flipping the spawns here so maybe a little mishap from seattle i feel like right there you gotta obviously you i mean they're trying to win the fights they just lost the fights but 
They lose the fights. Toronto, they end up flipping this, and they chain a couple hills here. They chain P1, P2. They get a lot of time. They build themselves a little bit of a lead. And then again, going into the second rotation, what do they prioritize? The P3. I mean, there's 30 seconds left in old, and they got three guys already in the new hill, like setting up for this hard point. Uh, let's tune into the listening with Toronto Ultra. Is they're able to, to build their lead in the P3 and get the W here. That's gonna do it for the listening. Good comms coming out of the Toronto Ultra. And I also like the movement here from Kleenex after the P3 hard point. He's gonna jump across some top maps. He's like Spider-Man. He's gonna get up to top double, and he's just gonna be a nuisance in this next hard point. He gets into top bar quick with the movement. Uh, and he's able to get this guy off at his time as his teammates storm through front. So Toronto Ultra, focus on those P3s. They stay disciplined on their rotations, and uh, and they're able to get the W. They end up closing it out on the on the final P5 uh, and, and bringing this to a map five. We'll take a look at the scoreboard. Kleenex, 35 and 23. He went crazy, this map. Uh, it's, it's, it started insight. It started insight, 30 and 20. Those Both those players on my fantasy team. So I was feeling nice after that one. Uh, and then on the yeah. other side, everybody uh, negative except for Mac. Why you say damn? Why you say damn? That's a lot of that's a lot of fantasy. It's points, a lot of Tom. points right there, Pat. This I was I was hyped. Hall. I was hyped after that. Any final thoughts, guys, on the um uh, on the map four? No, I mean, Just good I plays mean, out it, of Toronto. Yep. Good yeah, plays. If it felt like there was a lot of momentum on Toronto side going going to map four and and. Uh, bro, another another banger map five. I wasn't feeling particularly good about Seattle going this map. I felt like. Dante had a real tough one, but the Seattle guys, much improved in search, figure out how to make an impact in this one. Yeah, I well, mean, the first... Oh, go ahead, Pat. What, what was the map that uh, that Toronto vetoed for S&D? Uh, if you give me three seconds, I'll tell you. Let's take a look uh, at this. Let's take a look at this here. Uh, Seattle vetoed in S&D Mercado, which is not their auto veto. Ah, what did Toronto say Seattle? Uh, Toronto uh, probably vetoed a hotel versus these guys? Embassy. Embassy, oh yeah, no, definitely Embassy. Yeah. They don't play that map. Again, this is this is what I'm talking about when it comes to sort of the Seattle situation with the auto vetoes. I, I just think that having a clear map that you're going to ban in every series doesn't give you the tactical flexibility. Sometimes dictate the maps at how you want. I think having, you don't necessarily need to play that map all the time. I think knowing that you have that club in your bag and your, your opponent respects that you might choose that or play it, I think might help them towards the tail end of the season. Probably will. Honestly, I didn't mind them vetoing it before because with the like old spawns, um, 
it was kind of a toss-up. Sometimes you would get the good spawns, sometimes you get the bad spawns, and, you know, hitting that A site was weird. But um, I don't know if you guys know this, but with the new update, um, the spawns are consistent. So you never get that close A spawn that we used to talk about that basically gave you a free A. So um, attacking A on the defensive side and actually getting control of the house is a, is a little bit more viable now. Um, I still don't see a lot of people liking that map, but the dynamic of it definitely changed with the spawns. Uh, the spawns being pushed back on the offensive end. I don't know if you guys knew that, but I wonder if uh, teams start picking up on that and trying to like play that map more because I think it yeah. just changed a bit. Um, you well, guys, I mean, I mean, oh, go ahead. I mean people all. I mean, I I feel you on that, Chris. I mean, people's kind of general thoughts on the map anyway. They just don't like the gamble kind of element of this map. Um, and I think that's why we haven't seen it a bunch. And when we do see it a bunch, it's never like the map that like is getting map two in a series. It's the leftover map. That uh, Team A is picking for Game Five, and yeah, Team B is always picking a map for Map Two. I mean, they were talking about Mercado or this map. Were you talking about this map or Mercado? Are you, are you talking about Mercado? Or are you talking about this map? I was talking about Mercado. Mercado spawns oh, got we, pushed back. Yeah, yeah, because you were yeah. talking about that being auto vetoed. I'm like, it's not a gamble. It's not as much of a gamble map anymore. It got changed. But anyways, yeah, well, with the we'll Fortress. get we'll get to that when we get to the next series. But yeah, I think that's why Fortress uh, over Mercado, or at least at least yeah, with, yeah. with the, this map choice going forward. But go ahead, I, I just I just like this round from Seattle because they don't do the do nothing strat. They don't let the bomb just go down. Like Lamar makes a good play, he ends up wide challenging and getting a blood. And look what happens when they get the kill. Look, they all just go, all of them. They have the numbers. You might as well. Bombs going down. Mac, he's gonna hit that site. He finds two. Just thought that was a really clean round from Seattle. This is something they weren't doing when they were not winning games, and now they're doing it. Uh, and I, you can really see the difference that they've been working on it. Uh, and did you guys see the hip fire that I was showing in the first round? That was insane. The, I didn't get the, to see it. Uh, didn't, you didn't see it? All right, here. I was, I, was, I played it. I replayed it like 80 times, but here, I'll do, I'll do it again. Sorry, I was I was just sitting there talking to Ben. Nah, you're good, but it's, it's a 1v1 here. It's a 1v1. Lamar goes down, and then take a look at take a look at the play here. Take a look at the hip fire from Scrap with the scar. Pops the dead silence. Wins the 1v1 onto AG. Also, I don't know how AG didn't kill him. Um, but that was definitely kind of crazy, bro. That was insane. Impeccable centering. That is wait, I think he actually only the hit, wait. I think he got one hit marker th with the hip fire. You guys, because he hit him, th he killed him with three bullets. I mean, I have no, I have did he he killed him when he wasn't even aimed in. He aimed in for like a split second, but like. Well, he, no, no, I know, I know. The ADS transition is when he killed him, but like he only connected one while like actually hip firing. But yeah, whatever. Um, and then we go into the next round. Seattle, they do like a pretty basic strat here. AG's gonna hold Art with his teammate. Um, with uh, with Mac, they're gonna hold Art together. Uh, and then they're gonna get that A bomb down. So I just like that they got aggressive on A, got the bomb down right away. They 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 flipped the switch, and Toronto was forced to just run at him. And they run into an absolute blender. Now we get into the one two round. This was crazy. It's a 1v1 situation between Insight and Sib. Insight going for the 1v2. He's able to find a kill top Art. Take a look how Insight dies here. I mean, you can even take a look at his face there in the in the webcam down below. But take a look at his face when he loses this gunfight here. I mean, this was this was like unreal. This was crazy. Dante, he's gonna jump the corner. Insight gonna get first shots instantly. Gets imploded. It looked like he got sniped. <laughs> I did yeah, that's his face is hilarious. His face is hilarious. Do they have from Do they have like Sib shots? No, nah, they never showed it. I don't think. They what? Never, they never showed his POV. They never showed. He I don't think. He's gonna kill somebody like that. And, and it wasn't even a headshot. It wasn't even a headshot. Like it was just a regular kill. Like, it, well, no, it, but it doesn't matter. It's he still three, hits it's the head. Three, yeah, he can still hit the head. I get it. Yeah, it's yeah, three upper chest. Yeah. Yeah, but still though, still like that was insane. Like the headshot. That's the headshot cheese. Like. You see Dante, he's winking at somebody. I don't know who he's winking at, but he was cheesing. Insight was was absolutely mind-blown. 
Uh, then we get into the next round. 2v3 from AG and Dante. I would have liked to see... This is this is something that I think right here, right? 3v2 situation. I would like to see Ultra make a play off this. Like, you have numbers. Like, don't just let them get the bomb down and finesse y'all. Uh, you know, play play around them. You have numbers, play with some confidence. They end up just sitting back and playing corners. They don't want to give, give away any kills. And they just let them set up. They get the bomb down. AG is going to lay down like Elwall. And Dante's going to look over him. And AG, he's, he's able to find one 2v2 situation. Dante's able to find one. He gets traded out. And now it's a 1v1 situation between AG and Hixie. Love the play from AG here because he doesn't get scared. He gets him tagged in the bomb. He knows he's not on there. He gets tagged up and he just reads Hixie perfectly. He knows that Hixie hopped the bomb. He tagged up Red. AG, he's going to get aggressive. He's going to win the 1v1. Seattle, they go up 4-1 in this one. Uh, and then AG, he's going to push through. He's going to find this guy on the bomb. Hixie, maybe a little mistake there, planting the bomb. I feel like uh, maybe you shouldn't be seeing from that angle. Uh, but he ends up going down. AG's going to take him out. He shoots him in the feet. That's a 4v3 situation. And Seattle, pushing through P1. They uh, able to break this hard point. They go up 1-5. to five. I know Toronto was able to find a couple more rounds on the board before this one ended. But Seattle Surge, it was a clinical map five. Clinical. Uh, the yeah. rest of looks better. They look better, man. They do. They do look a lot better. We'll take a look at the scoreboard here. Um, everybody on Toronto, negative. Uh, and then on the other side, 9-5 and five from Lamar. So he had a great map. And then 13-4 from AG. I mean, that art was his. He patrolled top art, bottom art. He was all over the place, the whole map. Any final thoughts on the series, gentlemen? I have a couple. Lamar, first four first bloods map last night. Yeah, he went insane. big. He was going Lamar. I think just to circle back really quick on the plant thing, because um, I've been waiting to see how it's developed over the course of the season. Right now, across all maps, the average plant win percentage, i.e. when you plant on offense, the win percentage is 66%. And if you scroll to every map, it's, it's well in the 60s. In fact, on Mercado, it's 72% bomb down. So, like, I don't know what this, like, the 2v3 plant win percentage is. I don't have the situationals. Like, again, we'll keep harping on it to your point, Tom. I just feel like denying bomb plant on defense is, like, going to be your best strat. I know people love to play retakes, but you just it seems like the chance of getting clutched on is pretty high, and the math doesn't necessarily support that. I think it's a mind game, too. Like, people don't want to try and, like, try and deny the bomb plant, and the offensive team could just be holding and just waiting for them to do something dumb. You know, like, it's 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 the mind games, right? But I definitely think you got to have some strats to try and deny that bomb plant. Like, if you're watching Cross a Bomb, or if you want somebody, to, if you guys want to try and hit it out, you know, I don't know. There's, there's got to be different things. I don't mind teams playing retakes, but I really don't like it. I like if a team's gonna play retakes, man. For the most part, it usually doesn't work. There's some sites that are easily yeah. easy to retake, like depending on the map. Uh, but playing retakes in this game, especially online, is hard. Shit. Yeah, it's like, hard. Yeah. It just sound you hard. Have to rely, you, yeah, you have to rely on having dead silence to make a play to retake. Um, you have to hope you have like grenades in certain positions. And on top of that, if you don't like immediately have information on where people went off the bomb site, like you're just playing hide and go seek, and the time is dwindling. Playing retakes on this COD is horrible. I think one of the most important things is bomb denial. Like you have to play bomb denial spots where. Um, as soon as you know a guy's going for a plant, like you just do everything to kill him off the bomb and just keep stalling out around. Yeah. Like bomb, 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 bomb down is so AIDS in this game. I think, I think uh, for Toronto, a lot of people in the chat are saying, well, they went 0 2 this week, and I agree. It was kind of a weird week for them. Both series went to game five, and honestly, like their respawn wasn't particularly bad. I think this weekend, I think they won both uh, controls they played. They went 0 for 4 in SDs, and that just ended up killing them in both these series. And that's why they're sitting in an 0 2 hole. I'm not worried about Toronto Toronto long term, but since they came back, it looks like they need to like clean up some things in search because 
Oh, you don't want to lose four straight. Boston, Boston's also already taken the map five like multiple times. They did it at the major. They did it online when they had Standy, uh, and they obviously did it again now. So Boston seems like a team that at least um, right now matches up well against this Toronto team, even if they might not always come away with the dub. Um, as for the Seattle series, man, I think, I mean, they just lost two S&Ds to a team that traditionally has not been typically strong on it. Um, yeah, I mean, they just they just so, had an off week. They're so my still a good team at the end of the day. Are, are pretty simple. Um, this is another reason, you know, another example of <clears throat> I was just early, and I'm not wrong. You know, you guys all were adamant about putting Toronto in in the S tier, and I think it's clear the A tier, the number one team in A tier, is where they belong. It just it, it it's evident, right? We just saw this weekend. I was trying to let you guys know. I know I'm a little bit ahead of the curve for you guys. Uh, I'm a little early. But, uh, but yeah, I'm just not wrong. Listen, I'm high on Toronto. I think they're going to be our 2023 world champions, but I did correctly put them in the A tier and, and this weekend. The way, the, way, the way I see these like quote-unquote tier lists, though, at least for me, Pat, is based on results and consistency of results. Yeah, there might be days or like weekends where a team looks poor um, in their own like league stages or maybe a team doesn't have the best map pool in some cases. But at the end of the day, bro, results are results. Like when your fucking online record and your land record are damn near like what were I think what were they at? They were like 12 and like five. They were they had some like ridiculous online and land record. Um like bro, that is an S tier team. Like they might not always be able to like They're replicate it, but we're, we're at, the end, at the end at the at the end of the day, you want it's crazy. FaZe's results have been better than Toronto's, but did you know that Faze or Ultra's overall LAN and online map counts are better than phases. Yeah, but yeah. we can't take that into consideration because of the strength of schedule CDL format cheat. Well, yeah, no shit. There's only so many things we can do, but at the same time, like this whole S tier argument is just stupid. Results are the only thing that matters, and it's we're playing stupid. Modern yeah, Warfare. With you, but we're playing Modern day, Warfare fucking two, where was early and three others were wrong. We're playing Modern but Warfare Tom, two, into the where we're playing two, two separate games online and on LAN, two different games. Well, let's hop into the next series. Uh, Optic Texas going up against the London Royal Ravens. We start things off with a Fortress Hardpoint, Hotel S&D, and an Expo Control. Hydro Hardpoint and Mercado S&D for the 4th to 5th map, but let's just say how it is. We don't even need to look at that 4th to 5th map because this series was a door dash challenge. Probably one of the quickest door dash <sighs> challenges. Uh, any thoughts on the videos, Ben? I see you face palming your head. You're getting all, you getting It looks like you're stressed out over there. Uh, I know um, we, we, me and Ben, we broke out into a huge argument during this one. I think our, oh, we got mixy. <laughs> I think our passion got the best of us. Um, I, I know Ben was telling me, cause I was like, blow it up. I was saying, blow up London. What the hell are they doing? And Ben well, was well, like, we... all for solutions, all for solutions. Um, wait, wait, back up. Don't hey, even, hey, before hey, you get hey, there, hey, Tom, hey, what, what's there. up? What's up, Ben? Talk to me. Talk about the videos for a second. Yeah. Let's talk you about and it. I, you and I know each other for a long time. Yep. And you and I used to talk about videos a lot in World War II, like me, you, Chris. Me, 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 me. Uh, and we always, we always had that like conversation of, bro, are you good? <laughs> yeah, chill, bro. All right. Anyway, uh, we've always had a conversation of, okay, looking at map pool might be a little bit weird. Do we want to, in a tiebreak situation, right? We're not sure we want to do, get rid of a map that might be in our team's best map or play it because it's our best map. And I guess today, because of London shallow map pool, they were like, oh, Fortress Hardpoint. Optics have been really good on it recently, but that's been one of our, our decent maps. We should play it. And I think that was ultimately a mistake, and they generated zero, in fact, completely negative momentum from it. 
And yeah, for this London team, they're completely I mean, stuck in the I'll wilderness. Their best it, map, our best map, it doesn't matter, bro. Like you, should, you just should, you just shouldn't play Optagon Fortress. They run this map, like they legit run this map. That's my that's my point. Yeah, they've they've literally a hundred point clubbed Phase, Boston, and now London on this map. And Phase and Boston are not two teams that are easy to hundred point club. Uh, so I didn't expect much from London going into this first map. I'll I'll be honest with you. Uh, and I know Brucey also had a one point eight today, so he just went absolutely nuts. He just. Uh. Had a day. Go I, ahead, Pat. What's wrong, Pat? What's the matter? I, I don't. I don't think the vetoes matter in this series. So like, yeah, I don't think they matter either. Bro, <laughs> I don't think it matters who the hell they. Bro, London could have had the six Raven playing. They were still losing this series, and they were losing whatever hard point got picked. Like at the end of the day, this London team just sucks. Like straight up sucks. I don't care about how good or bad their vetoes are. They could have the worst vetoes in the league. This team just stinks. This team. Made a roster change, but like I, I think it was evident that it wasn't gonna fix their problems. This this team just stinks, top to bottom. Or they're um, slow. Yeah, they stink. They're, 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 they're still Iron Buttes. I don't understand. They picked up a, a true second sub. They dropped Paul, who I, I think is a decent player, but not like second sub, not his, his preferred role. And they somehow got slower. I'm okay. I don't fucking. Under, I don't understand Paul. how they it's possible. They need to make more moves. They needed to drop a lot of people. And I think to Chris's point. They they also factored in the fact that Nasty was literally Himothy in the online or in the stage last or the the last stage, and we're probably not going to get that you know <laughs> him performing that way again. And so yeah, I think this team just needed a lot of changes, and they made one. Um, so I don't think the vetoes even matter. They got absolutely smoked. Agreed. And, and, and this is kind of where the yeah. argument between me and Ben broke out because Ben was like, bro, stop saying that. Like, find solutions. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, I don't even know what the solutions are because, bro, I don't know. Apparently, London doesn't have the money or doesn't have the budget to go out and just go get players and go and sign players. And uh, I know Ben was saying that there's nobody you can get, but there's so much talent in Challengers. What? There was plenty. You said that. You said it when we were arguing. You were like, "What's the solution?" Because there's nobody. You were making it seem like oh, there was no, nobody to get. The, hold on. My our argument was this. I you wanted you wanted me to build a can team, I, Ben. Can I, can I explain the argument? Yeah, you can explain. Um, yeah, of course. Of so course. the argument was, and I thought Chris actually. I want to kick to you, Chris, at some point because I, I think your solution might actually be the best solution. I think the issue is we all agree that London looks broken, and they've looked broken for a long time. The best place in this org really had. If we think about it, the the more I think when we felt the strongest about this team was probably Modern Warfare 2019. Last year they were actually like not too bad, but I think the control weakness really prevented them from winning a series. But this year they've just been throwing darts at a dartboard, and there isn't a cohesive strategy. And we were talking about oh, they need to blow it up. And I got frustrated because I I always dislike when we have a platform like this and we're just stating the obvious. I'd prefer us to have conversations on okay, well, what do we think they should do? And I agree with you with challengers. It's really hard. And I thought, Chris, I want you to kind of explain your idea because I think kind of just doing the piecemeal approach might not be good. And they need to actually. Yeah, the dartboard approach is not good, especially Talk when like your, your dartboards are when your darts are dull, bro. Like they don't have any sharpened darts. Like every single player that they picked up has not been anything to rave about. Like, I'm not saying any of them are necessarily bad in, in any aspects, but like none of them are like superstar players. And that probably is because of the budget. Um, secondly, at least with their old team, um, they used to be obsessed with obviously having a bunch of, you know, European players or, or UK, you know, players. Um, I don't really know if the new management really cares that much about it or maybe hell, they might even rebrand because apparently aren't they owned by uh like, is he Spanish? I don't I don't really know KOI, where uh, they're on KOI. Yeah. Yeah. So is that Spanish? So maybe they rebrand like if they're trying to obviously like you know bring more Spaniard 
you know, presence well, to their, to if their I Call said of Duty that, brand. If I said that in an interview, right, he said that they wanted to potentially brand this as like a Madrid team in the league. Yeah. Them, which I, I assume was based on a... So a maybe, hold on one second, but maybe in the future, that's something they opt to do. But um, my solution, um, when you're this bad, uh, you don't just like keep trying to pick up players. I think you find a base of team of a, you find a, a base of a team that wants to play together and has already had some, some, some success. There's no guarantee that they are going to find that success in the league. Obviously we're, we're in a tough league with a lot of competition, but at the same time, um, starting with the system and letting the players weed themselves out as they play higher and higher competition, I think is the best approach because right now what they're doing is they're just signing people um, that are individually skilled on certain teams and then they get on this team with no system and they start getting slammed so uh yeah if i were them and I, if i were any really struggling team that's just complete ass leg's already done it so i can't fault them for it but sign the best european or the best na challenger team at the end of the season if you want to keep one of your current players because you really have faith in them maybe try inserting them in the roster if, if that's not a thing just Get a whole team, because at the very least, you know, they have chemistry and success together and let them weed themselves out. Like I said, you know, some of these players might prove to be league capable players. Some of these players might struggle when they're playing better competition. But at the end of the day, at least you might find a good base and some future stars that might be able to attract other players. Because what you're doing right now is not fucking working and nobody wants to play with half of these fucking players that you're picking up. It's stupid. Stop doing it. Pat, what's All your right, solution, well Pat? Instead of doing Chris's solution and wasting any more money, Tom, my solution for the London Royal Ravens is to put out a formal uh, letter to the world, letting them know that their spot in the CDL is up for sale and that they are finished to the exact same thing LAG did and completely get out and sell the spot to another, um, you know, another a business, another team that wants to get in for potentially a little, a little bit of a discount um, recoup any and all money that you can and, and move on to whatever next venture they know they already uh, did KOI or, or, or whatever is, is KOI just did. got them this year yeah and they yeah. should get out this year <laughs> I mean Ben I instantly saw your reaction to London Royal Ravens selling the spot what are your initial thoughts <clears throat> no comment bro no comment no comment. I'll just kind of scrim through the map a little bit. This is another map. I do want to talk about the Expo control because I think we can break that down a little bit. There was a few things I saw that, that teams were setting up. Uh, obviously, the first map was an absolute slammage, but I think you got to give it up to Optic too. I know London's been struggling, but got to give Optic their props. I felt like today their teamwork was on point. They were all over the map today. I felt like every time they did something, they did something together. Um, so I'm guessing their communication uh, was on point. And they're also just playing with a lot of confidence. Uh granted they are playing london but i think it is cool to see uh it is good to see if you're an optic fan to see them come out uh and play with such confidence and not be scared to challenge and, and make a play uh and that's exactly what they did but uh, as we scroll through it uh you can see how optic was just slowly i mean they they interviewed shotzi after the game and they were like shotzi he i think he said something about like they were just laughing having a good time the whole series so they laughed their way uh, through the first two maps. And as we skimmed through the, the map a little bit, there were a few rounds where, where London were able to get on the board. But again, Optic just too strong on B. They go up 4-1 pretty early in this one. I think this is a round where, where London uh, was able to win. Uh, it was a 1v2 situation. Brucey just ran out of time here, and uh, he was falling. He, he ends up going down and going to the 4-2 round. 
uh, and this is another quick round. It was London who who tried to get aggressive uh, through A. But I like the blind counter from Optic. Instead of just letting uh, London get that bomb down and just do whatever they want on the A site, Shotzi's going to get pushed up. They're going to uh, work some crossfires. Like Shotzi might not even, or Dashi might not even get that kill. Shotzi doesn't put those bullets there. So just good team fires, good crossfires there. Asim tries to make a plan to pinch. I don't know if Hook soundhorned him or what, but he sniffed him out. So good plays from Hoop to kind of hold that, that B side. But just look at the setup here from Optic. Spreading the map. Not leaving any lanes open. Uh, it was just really, uh, really good fundamentally played. I thought they, I thought they looked good. Uh, they go up five two in this one. Uh, the S and D moved by uh, pretty quick. They ended up uh, winning this last round with ease. They just run out of mid map. Uh, Optic, they just big dick them. They challenge out of mid. I mean, Dashi literally just wide child single by himself. Find one. Ghosty hits couches. Finds one. Uh, and then you can see it's Go uh, Shotzi who's putting some shots down into to A some P5, and he's going to fall to 4v1 in about 15, 20 seconds. So this was another quick map. Hook went 12-3 and three in this one. He was having an absolute field day, and he thought it's on a map too. Dashy 9-2. Guy had a 1.8 today. So Optic dismantled London. They just outplayed the hell out of them today. They outplayed the slate. Yeah, they, what Chris is doing, slapping them up. Any final thoughts on a map too, folks? They're already dead. Stop. They're already dead, yeah, bro. They're already dead. I mean, Optic, they, they came out to play today. And then we get into the Expo Control. Uh, I want to talk about this map a little bit. It's obviously a brand yeah. new map. We haven't seen it much. Uh, one thing that I've noticed so far with the pros playing this map, the B point is definitely the chalk point. For sure. Because when it gets to this A point, it's really easy to hold because if you can get set up where you get somebody pushed up back here, like back bus area, and you get just get outskirts here, you can see the whole point and you just constantly just push these spawns back. Where, for instance, if Optic, it pretty much happens uh, in, in, in the first round because London, they're able to get B, they close it out. And look at how Optic sets up here. London, they only needed one tick. But they were never able to get it because also oh, right here can London stack the point? They only need one take here, bro. Like look at no, this. Here, here, like, look, like Asim's I... on the point. Yeah. Maddie's top mid. Oh hell no. There's two guys just preeming mid. Like bro, they just all jump point here instead of just playing Wait, corners. Seven is kill whoring, bro. That's what I'm bro. saying. Like what no, were they doing bro, there? Bro, here, bro, here's the deal. Oh if you're, no. If you're going to if you're going to push that like hotel reception side of the map and spawn them in this bottom right spot you better be watching that middle cross which they like really weren't he was like, he just got zapped you didn't see it i mean i mean he was holding it from like a weird weird off yeah, thing he wasn't actually picking the guys look, off look, look where he is yeah but he yeah, should he should hold slam. it from the grill side and get the other side the angle so he actually catch there, them there is no reason why after they get this kill here boom scraps kills hook everybody asim kills shotzi everybody should be collapsing point here Seven, what six, is London doing? Eight what are they doing? Just, seven, six, and eight could have all dolphin dived on, like literally just full sprint dolphin dived on the point. They would have capped it like bro. as soon as like green was like look, the optic was spawning. Bro, this, look this how crazy London, just dude. look at the mini map and look at the kill feed. Look how crazy. How does London not win this round? They just kill no because they do nothing. Insane, they do nothing. No insane, it's almost like oh, they not even like think they, they don't even know how to like get on a point. Like they don't even know the, the damn objective. Bro, they need running shoes. They need to take those fucking stone ass fucking whatever on their feet and put on some fucking jays. Get too dead. Asim hustles. Dolphin dives onto the point. He's the only one there. He gets naded off. Gets half to take by himself, and we're just standing around. London's just standing around doing nothing. And now that obviously that buys time for Optic to just make now Optic has the whole map now. They're probably Optic's probably confused. Like, guys, they're not on it. What the fuck? Like, keep pushing. I mean, if, you're, if you're not gonna stack it, at least push the pulls. Listen, if you're gonna spawn them close and you want to get to an eventual stack, you want to spawn them out. So you need to get another wave of kills. 
So two of you being there watching middle cross is probably not ideal. Get someone pushed up beside the pool and catch him crossing from that like back hut side. There's a lot of different ways they could have played it, stacked it, or gotten the next wave of kills, and they didn't either. Even here, like they 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 get a kill here, I believe. Look at the, the optic doesn't even deplete the point. All London need to do is try and get to this point at the same time, like j just try and coordinate something, like coordinate a good push here. And I also didn't like. How aren't London, why are they flanking? I was just going to say no, that. Why aren't they flanking? No, no, Look I'm saying, but, but, right but, but no, uh, Chris, why aren't they backing up though and just killing this guy out of their butt, like killing this guy out of their spawn? They're not going to be able to no, cap. that shit is hard. Yeah, but Chris, they're not going to be able to cap A if they don't clear this out. What are you, oh, yeah, I don't it's know about hard. that. It's kind of hard to do that. I think I think flanking is a fine play if they, 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 they end up getting all space. Of them? Getting all of them? You want all well, of them to flank? Well, they're they're not they're not all flanking. Number five has presence mid. And he's just kind of staying alive. But look at seven and eight. Like, hello, you who? I'm just saying, optic If they flank and get this kill, they block that spawn. Number one has to um, track back to them, and then number five or the people off spawn can make a play mid. They just had to collapse. It's a, it's the same concept as the bed shit, bro. Like the equivalent to wrapping yeah, bed yeah, is like trying to wrap spots. back and kill number one. Like that's hard to do sometimes, especially if. Like if they crossfire, if they read the pressure that you're wrapping back, yeah. number four could easily go into the like, I call it the restaurant and help number one crossfire the fuck out of it. You know what I mean? If they mm. at least try to flank and split and get that and block that glass spawn, like they have a chance, but they just sat around their bar. Yeah, I, I agree. Like you, you, I mean, bro, they don't hop points, so they're not gonna be able to get anybody to come <laughs> out of their spawn when they literally don't even get on the, the fucking point, but. Uh, and then we get into the, to, to the next round. London was actually able to hold on to A. And London just chalked B. There was a period of time where they just gave it up. They didn't even want it. Uh, and then we get over to the 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 offense. And it was London who who set up that 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 outskirts set up. They get the kills and they just kind of push up this left side of the map. They're actually able to hold Optic off here, um, and and just kind of work like this this outskirts like back spawn area. London did a good job here, uh, kind of pinning Optic back. They pretty much did the same thing. The Optic did. The only difference here was this round got close when it came to the lives. Optic did a good job just constantly stopping clock. Uh, and the subs were going crazy. Uh, both Hook and Shotzi were all over the map. But I think I saw Shotzi say something on stream that this is Hook and sh his and uh, Hook's playground. Like, they really like this map. Uh, but you could kind of see how it was able to unfold. London, they hold on on their defense. They pretty much do what Optic did to them. Uh, and then somehow, some way, London, they have such a good break off where they get a clean wipe off the rip where they were able to get this A point quickly, but Optic was actually able to hold on to all the B point the whole entire time, which, uh, I mean, Chris, what's the best way, I feel like, to get this B point? I feel like you you definitely want to try and get top windows control and try and get the kills. Like, you don't want anybody lindering, like, that top windows area at all. Yeah, I, I think I think what the, I think the main way to get this is uh, if you're, if you have, if you lose full control of B, you're going to be spawning towards, like, where number six was. Like, you're spawning in the bottom left corner of the minimap. I think the best way to do it is create space around mid. I don't think you flank this point. This is not a point you flank. I think you create yeah. space around mid by getting control of like your outer hallways, like around the bar. And then like you try to wrap back and clear out this like top hallway in your spawn. Cause mm. I think wrapping back and clearing out this, like the, the expo is what I call it. Cause it's like a convention center, right? The expo is a little bit easier than like wrapping back and like clearing out the snow because there's a lot less crossfires. I think flanking is kind of troll because you can easily get cut from bar. And then you have to like, yeah, you have yeah. to like, yeah, you spawn them closer and then you also have to um, like clear out like the elevator and like the backside of the of the theater stage. So if that's a lot harder to do, I think you need to create space mid and wrap. I think, I that's think Chris, do. like if you like, I think what will make this B point like super hard to break is if you get them that deep spawn, like that bottom right spawn, 
they have to either wrap back, so they're going through a choke point, and you could be sitting on a desk just snaking it. And even if you kill the guy in desk, you still got to go down the ladder shaft to go, to go through backstage. It's a journey, or you can cut through middle, plank through pool, and go through the hallway. Well, there might be a guy lying down there. There might be a guy watching a crossfire from the hill. Yeah. I think, I think to your point, yeah, getting that push out and almost covering backstage plus and yeah, info desk. I don't think you full flank this lobby like where Shotzi is. I think you like you get mid control and like play around either like a wrap or like around the bar slash the bottom like hallway. Um, like you can maybe like quick pinch through like glass, but like eventually you're kind of like converging around like the B point. You're not going around it because that's going to give them the closer spawn. Yep. Uh, going into the fourth round, I love I love how Dashy plays this. So while his team is playing B, he he stays alive like A side and cuts mid. And I feel like what that does is it eliminates the flank. Like nobody can really take a route and, and, and go around. And once Bruce, he gets those kills, what does he do? He funnels in. Like he gets the kills, he gets the people trying to go around, and then he funnels in, helps his guys on hill. Uh, and they were able to cap this B point. I just thought it was a good heads up play uh, from Bruce. Yeah, You can even see him like picking up that pinch, like turning around, like making sure nobody's coming in from the back. Because once you're in this situation here, I think this is this a big is reason. Fucking this is chalked because now Bruce, he did the hard part. He killed the people pinching around middle and then he dropped back and just helped his team. He just he just sat in the power position, helped his team push up. And at that point, I mean, that was just a smooth round from Optic. I just liked how Bruce, he played that coming off of a point. It was a good play. Um, that one was all over. We'll take a look at the final scoreboard. This was a 3-0 DoorDash challenge. Slay, are you awake? Oh, shit. Slay, you oh, mean, to Slay, Slay, wake right up, Slay, wake up. We did Optic 3-0 London. I don't know if you oh, saw shit. that, Slay. I don't know if you saw that, but... Yes, yeah, I, I, I saw it earlier, Tom. I ordered food. It got here before the series uh, before the series was done. <laughs> yeah, hey, play with Slay. Oh, how'd, you, how'd you sleep, Slay? You slept all right, Slay? You slept okay? Let me got let me get the crust on my eyes. That was a good one, Tom. It was a good series, was huh? A, uh, that, was a, that was a quick nap. They dispit the uh, the London Royal Ravens. Any final thoughts, gentlemen, on uh, on a uh, second match, Optic versus London? Any thoughts at all? Yeah, London's got the next one up again. You said London's got to blow it up again. They didn't. They, they've yeah. never blown it up. They've made like they just keep changing out one player, thinking like it's going to change the whole ball game. They, they, they got to do it again and again and again and again and again, Tom. <sighs> well, let's go on to the next series. Atlanta phase going up against the Florida Mutineers. This one went all the way down to a last map. I don't think a lot of people saw that one coming. We got Hotel Hardpoint, MCSND, Hotel Control, uh, and Bussy Hardpoint, and then we got Mercado Search and Destroy. And what? And Bussy, it's not a, hey, listen, bro, a Octane started that, not me. Let's hop into it. What do you guys think about the vetoes? Anything at all as we head into the map number one? Mm, I guess in retrospect, maybe Florida getting rid of hotel, S&D didn't really age well, but I mean, I you know, it, it's an interesting set, but as we get into it, I mean, looking the way map one played out, it looked like FaZe's hard point was clean, but this one, this series got a little weird, Tom. It got a little weird. Uh, just to go into the first map, it was back and forth early. They were kind of trading rotations. I love the route here from uh, from Slasher. He's uh, he's actually going to be that guy uh, that gets here early. You can see number eight uh, on the mini map, right? He's going to be at old. He's going to find one, finds two, gets some time, finds three. Not only does he get the scrap, but then you have Simp and the boys from Phase. They start rotating over to that other hill. But Slasher, he goes big on this one. Uh, he ends up getting three at old. It kind of pins Florida back, and FaZe was able to get some good time here because they were able to change some time from uh, from the P4 to P5. So just really big kills coming in from FaZe uh, off the scrap there. Really big plays uh, from Austin. And, and then, of course, this is where things start to get a little interesting. Uh, the flips come in uh, for Florida, but Florida didn't do the best of job holding this, man. They all spawn kitchen side. 
And then I don't even know how FaZe was able to get all these kills, but they pushed right through Kitchen, and Abizi and Simp just have a field day. I almost feel like they shouldn't even overchow too much here. Like, Florida should let FaZe, like, run out. Like, they should be L-triggering up here. Like, I don't think they should be pushing into them. I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but I thought Florida kind of trolled right there. Um, Chris, you good? I think we just lost some. I think I'm in. locked. I think I'm locked in, bro. You're locked yeah. in. Hold yeah, on two seconds. I think, uh, I, yeah, I agree. I agree, Tom. Go. And then, but Floyd did a good job on this next, this last P5 here. I think it goes into a listening, right? Where they were able to kind of make this hill mixy, but then they kind of broke down on the P1, and that was really the map. Uh, yeah, they definitely broke down. FaZe got so much time, uh, on the P1. We don't need to go into the listening because so I, many time I, and so many kills. They I got like wanna, 15 kills in a row. Yeah, they just got so many kills and they funneled them into the, into the, to the kitchen spawn, like the P5 spawn. They started getting P2 spawns. I mean, FaZe just has a good awareness here. Like, we know on P1, there's like a few spawns where they can come up, like the, 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 the P3 spawns, like in the kitchen where you see right now, Fellow just spawned and then they can also flip behind them P2. Uh, and they were just aware of everything. Like everybody was pushed out, and everybody was winning their fights. That but that's base, actually some godlike awareness. Yeah, this is godlike. This is just godlike play. Honestly, this is really good plays. Um, they they just found, they just were recognizing every spawn, and they were winning all their fights. So Florida kind of get put in a blender here. They were um, in the lab, bro. No caps. Yeah, that, they were. That, they were in the, the lab. P one is the P one is so hard to like read sometimes if you're like going rogue, like and people are just running around. But they micromanage that really well. I'm actually impressed. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then nuts. and then the P four. I like the break uh, from Phase. I thought this was a really good break. You can kind of see how they set it up. So you see Simp. He's gonna be the one pushing left and going around, and then the rest of the players are gonna fill in the gaps. They're gonna one guy's gonna play through mid a busy, and then the other guys are gonna play through front bed. They're gonna call the streak. I just like how they didn't just blindly call a streak. Like they took routes, they pinched them in, and then they called the streaks. And you can see the streak comes down. Florida panics. They get a clean wipe and phase. They just it's just a clean break. They're able to pounce on Florida in this one, and uh, and it was a pretty comfortable map one for phase. Uh, it was not a comfortable series as we move on, but definitely a good map number one uh, from them. Any thoughts? I thought that was a clean break right there. I thought FaZe, FaZe looked good in this one. Uh, and Slasher had a good map. He took the hat off today. So maybe that yeah. helped him a little bit. Um, but what did you see that going for? About, about goddamn time. Jesus. <laughs> what uh, any, final, any final thoughts on, uh, on a map one, folks? I mean, good map I mean after phase. map one, it was looking, because we had uh, Embassy S&D coming up next. It was looking like a hot 3-0, but it did not play out that way. Uh, well, the next the, the, the next map gets definitely uh, a little interesting as we head over to the embassy. Um, first round, I love the play from Florida. Uh, they didn't have the plan. I, I, I like here that Capsule. First of all, Capsule played so much better today. We were really ragging on him yesterday about him just kind of like not trusting his teammates and trying to do too much. It was a night and day difference watching him play today. Like I don't I don't know if he I don't know if he was watching the show or just like his team said something, but. He was back to his old self today. I thought he had a great series. Um, just playing a little bit more patient. But I liked right there how they stopped the plant from going down. Because the minute that bomb well, goes down, what's back up? up? Yeah, what's like, up? Like, it actually comes down to timing. Because MC's laying down. I think he's probably watching, like, the outer uh, cross. And then MC kind of gives it up. He actually gets the worst timing. And that way, there's nobody to get the insta-trade. And Cap's able to get the kill and get away. Because MC had already backed up. Uh, Dodo, like, plant denial was so important in this game. Yeah. That like even if like let's say like Cap is like looking at these windows, he's like he's thinking about plant denying like immediately, and like yeah. even if you were to kill that guy instantly and then get traded, like that still technically is like a winning play out of like Cap, even if you were to get traded, regardless. I I, I we like because we were actually talking about plant denial in the in the in what, what series was it? 
Is it Toronto? It was here on the, Seattle. The first series of Seattle yeah, series. I just yeah. want to bring up how fucking important it is to like deny bomb plants because it just buys your it buys your time. It buys you time to like make plays, and it also gives you free information. Like you plant deny bomb down, play around that bomb down. Right? They have yeah. to go for it. Blah blah blah. There's so many. It's so important to deny bomb in this cod. And I also Way love the I, I love the retake here from Florida. I thought they outplayed Phase here. I don't even know how they were able to do this. Fellow was able to find one with a snipe low orange. Havoc is there to pick up his trade instantly. It's a a four uh, a four v three in favor of Phase. Ends up being a three v four in favor or three v two. Excuse me, in favor of Florida. Uh, and then Selim, uh, Selim, he's pushed up. Uh, over to the right here, they got a guy top PD, and what does Florida do? They do something together. They don't chow top PD by themselves. They don't do anything stupid. Uh, everything they do, they do as a unit. They do as a team. They're able to just retake uh, the Atlanta phase uh, and get another round on the board. So good round from them. And then I like the blind counter here from Florida. I think they. I think number three, uh, it was Brack went over towards PD side. He was kind of kind of being that guy on the island. But I don't know if this was a blind counter for Florida or what. But they end up playing the eight bomb site here. And FaZe just weren't ready for it. Florida beat them to the site. FaZe sent all four guys towards the B side. And Florida just take advantage of it. It was a really good play call, whoever called that. Uh, and Florida it was, was able to get a pretty comfortable round here as they completely blind counted FaZe. Uh, so good round. And then, again, Capsule with another great play here. Uh, getting aggressive through the middle of the map. He's able to deny that plant once again. Again, I just feel like somebody from FaZe needs to be there with the with with Tyler there. I mean, they probably just took the risk that maybe nobody was going to be running through mid-map. But Capsule did not let that bomb go down. He hits through mid. He denies the bomb plant once again. And then Havoc, uh, he's able to flank the spawn once Capital finds the kill. And he gets a couple kills. So, uh, Florida, they go up 4-1 to one in this one. Uh, and then this is where things get a, a little interesting here. Uh, phase, they start to bring it back. Uh, we go into the 4-2 round. Florida, they end up getting another retake here on Atlanta Phase, by the way. I don't know how Phase kept trolling uh, these these B plants. I feel like here, once the bomb is down, this is a round that they need to win. Uh, and Florida do a fantastic job once again. Uh, and it's Capsule who just opens it up with another blood. He finds a guy outside of Orange. He's going to end up opening that door and, again, waiting for each other, working working with one another. They work the trades on a bomb site. Uh, and, again, another 3v2 scenario. Last one up is MC and uh, Florida. They have plenty of time. They got 20 seconds on the clock. They end up going up 5-2 here. I think Brack even heard him last second. Some nice shots Ooh. there. I love he had a really good snipe that round, too, on Slasher. Yeah. Tyler's been really good with the snipe, bro. He's been hitting some, some clean sniper shots, man. I mean, he's been doing his thing for sure, so... Got to shout out Tyler Fellow with the sniper rifle. And then FaZe, they, they're down 5-2. They bring this all the way back to around 11. FaZe started playing like they didn't care. They just started running, and it was working. They started running at them. They started challenging everything. You see how they just hit right into PD off the rip? They got complete map control here. Uh, I also really like the reach out here from, from MC back alley. You can see number 5 and number 1 on your minimap. MC, he sees the stun coming at him, so he knows if he gets stunned, he's dead. So he chows before the stun hits. He's able to get a big kill because that would have been a big kill. I could see Florida wrapping the bomb if, if MC ends up going down there. So yeah. he falls. Tyler Fellow gets the hit, uh, gets the, the the hit marker. He's probably losing full. Then we get into the next round phase. They end up sending two guys towards the B site. But look at where the bomb is. Bomb is all the way A side. Maybe trying to throw in some some jukes, man, uh, a little bit. Maybe trying to throw uh, Florida off a little bit. But I like the play call there. Send guys B. Get Florida guessing. Uh, and that's going to open up that A site for phase. They're going to get in there. I uh, I know they tried to double chow top AC, but they're able to get the bomb down. Brack was the last one out. Phase clinical round there. 
Five, four rounds, phase, they end up rushing PD again. I mean, look how aggressive they play this. They just hit up through P2. Nobody's there from Florida. And instead of phase hesitating, like you'll see people do, they just go right through. No fucks given. They're going to jump right through top PD. A B's going to dive out. Sim's going to get the trade. Uh, and just a good round from phase as they're able to push this to a round 11 as Florida. They end up losing like four straight here. I think that's like um, a typical phase strap, by the way. They love doing that. Sim and Abizi always either go like s2 door or they go front bathroom and they just bait and switch the doorway and just run into pd every like they do it a lot of their defenses yep. it's like a staple yep and then we get into the round 11 uh which got interesting uh, uh florida they decided to slow play it a little bit fellow ends up getting a hit marker he ends up shooting somebody's toes or something he's gonna go down um and then you can another see another first blood yeah another first blood uh for phase they go up four three sim tried to get aggressive top pd with the, with the with the numbers there and his teammates standing alive b-side sim probably should have chilled a little bit there uh but it was a good pickup from brack to turn around and read that presence and then capsule ends up challenging mc back alley he's gonna go down slashes by himself and florida they just spread the map they slow play some picks and uh, i think they just took a deep breath going into the round 11 they said guys we can't choke this spread the map hold the lane get some information and uh and that's what they did they were able to close it out brack 10 and 5 and it's one fantastic just, map from him go ahead uh pat what's up i, st I still don't think phase should have lost this map at all i mean dude they yeah. had eight out of the 11 first bloods they're still unbelievably good at first bloods and then you just see like we did in that round 11 like you had a 4v3 they're on offense like make them do something like I, I feel like they're just giving it away because they're just getting a little impatient and like wanting to end the game before they have to because look if you get eight out of 11 first bloods like you should win that map every time yeah but also like dude they kept getting like they kept getting bomb denied by cap and like that's like easily fixable there's no reason this guy should be peeking off of top ac without anyone shooting at him there's no right. reason this guy should be running up mid fucking map when he got stunned also on the round where they do end up like rushing the bomb and two of them planning like there's just no calm like they have they have a guy top their office windows like he should be like the people on the bomb should be like yo get me off this bomb like watch over me like this guy's top ac and instead he gets picked by like one of them gets picked running away by top ac no trade like then then the last guy gets isoed on bomb so like they just weren't they were i feel like they just were like not communicating like at all in those rounds and then we get into the control uh, phase end of 3-0 sweeping them in the control. I'll run by it pretty quickly. Off the rip, Florida is actually able to get a good break. We just talked about that in the last series. But they throw their attacks. FaZe go get a clean wiped off the rip. And Florida cap beat instantly. But FaZe, they're able to hold on to this 8 point for 2 minutes. They, they, they just set up, man. They, they Florida was never able to get a wipe. Uh, and this is an easy hit. I feel like teams have gotten better holding A as, as the year went on. But just constant pressure over towards Kitchen. I even like the route here from Simp, like trying to be a nuisance, trying to go around, like flank him a little bit. But FaZe, they just continue to hold on to that kitchen side of the map. And Florida was never able to get him out of here. Uh, Slasher even had a good first round. You see Florida rotating back, trying to kill him. But FaZe, they were able to just constantly win these fights over towards the kitchen side of the map. Over by this eight point and Florida were not able to get in. Did Slasher pull out another sub? I think he picked it up. Yeah, um, okay. I, I think he picked this up. I hate, I hate yeah. how the camo changes when you pick up a gun. Yeah, like, I don't like that either. It's, it's hard to just, know if a guy picked it up unless you watch him. Yeah, just a, the prog, prog, like the product of them trying to, you know, make sure the team sends are and, consistent uh, makes it weird. Then FaZe do the same thing right back to them on the offense. Quick B cap off the rip. They just get a clean wipe. Uh, we've seen a few teams do that off the rip, uh, off the rip ruining it around. They just, uh, they get a clean wipe and, and get a four dead. Uh, and then I just think this really opens up uh, with Tyler Beasy. I think Tyler makes a, makes a good play here. Um, to get onto the save point. You can see the stun comes in. Tyler, he's by himself. He's going to find one. Going to lay down. Boom. Finds two. 
There you go. There's kitchen control. That's what Florida struggled to do when Abizi did it by himself. He just hit kitchen. He finds two. That's going to open up the lanes. FaZe is going to swarm onto the eight point, and they're going to win this offense as MC uh, picks up the, the final kill. Good plays from Abizi. I thought Abizi really opened it up for them in that round there. And then, obviously, FaZe, they go back on the defense. Pretty comfortable defense from them. Eight point goes by fast. This was a more, def uh, a more default round. Uh, phase they stay pushed out bedroom they stay pushed out d1 d2 florida not able to get the kills lives go down map all over tyler fellow had a rough one in this one uh, just uh just another blender for uh, from the florida mutineers phase looked good in this map number three any final thoughts on the map three guys any final thoughts at all no it was uh you know phases struggle at times with hotel control and this one was pretty pretty clean so and on the florida side fellow with the sex bonus stuff second lowest hotel round win percentage yeah, I mean, I mean, they sold. They still got plenty of working on that game mode, but it was again another one where okay, we thought FaZe had a clean respawn. This thing was over. Going to an embassy hard point that they were really good at. One that Florida with their new team hadn't won at all, and uh, the unexpected happened. Yeah, so we get to the fourth map. We get into an embassy hard point. It was a pretty back and forth map. They were trading rotations, and this was a rotation that. Phase did not hold. I thought Capsule made a fantastic play here. He's gonna take the routes, but he takes his time. He doesn't just jump in there. He checks all these corners. Uh, and he, he makes sure he clears everything. He's able to find one. Then he checks this left corner here. Able to put some shots down into a BZ. And then the trades come in from Florida. It's a clean break from Florida. I just like how they pinched this. I like how two guys went around the back, like towards the left. And then I like how the, the other two guys, when they come off spawn, they play through front uh, and work through laundry. Because they just pitch the hill, phase. One simp goes down here, capsule. Really picking his spots, playing those corners. I thought he really led the push here. Uh, for the Florida break. Florida were able to build their lead going into the second uh, rotation. So really big break there. And then as we get into the uh, the second set of rotations, Florida, they say disciplined on their rotos, and they're able to get another break on the P4 to really extend their lead. And we can kind of see how that uh, how that unfolded. Um, it starts again with, with Simp, right? He's pushed out here. Uh, again, and I've seen this happen so many times where a guy in this P4 rotation is pushed out PD and he gets singled out. And then as soon as he goes down, the guys on hill just get absolutely flooded on. Uh, any Anything you would have done differently here, Chris? Or you think maybe just unlucky that he lost the gunfight? I just feel like if he's playing a little bit closer, he'd have somebody to work with there on rotation. I just feel like they're too separated. Yeah. I think they made this mistake. Like um, they did, they did the same thing. Their, they did the same thing. Oh, Who did they play? It was their first. It was their first match this week, or this weekend. They um, they did the same thing. Like just play tight in the hallways. Your first wave should always be played tight, unless you have major full map control. I think when you get caught out in the open on these transitions, that's when like you're more susceptible to be breaking. And it happened to them twice. Like this yeah. is the second time this exact scenario happened. Cool. They're just they also got a. They also got a team kill with a trophy. Yeah, that was tough. Yeah, yeah, that's unlucky, four. but still. Like... Still, even if he doesn't go down with the trophy, they're getting pinched on Hill now because somebody died, and they're they're outnumbered now. Like, if Sim goes we, down, we, boom, 4 we, uh, 3 We had Sam also in the watch party talking about, like, this might be one of the hardest situations in the game because it just, like, the, the hold after you get the wave of kills is pretty straightforward because you just sort of know where they're funneling spawn-wise, and you can kind of know the routes. But this initial flood is just, like, uh, or dealing with this first wave is always very tricky. The first wave, no, the yeah. first wave is not that tricky. I'm, I'm to breaking this hill is hard to do because you're just funneling through two hallways. 
you're funneling through that. You're just you're just funneling. If you like, if you just get the information of where they're coming from, you you keep your stuns, your nades. You're at the mer you're at they're at your mercy, bro. You not not only do you have trophies, if because if you're all playing around the objective, you're playing tight. You have trophies which are gonna protect you and well, hopefully not kill you, but you have trophies that are gonna are gonna protect you. And then on top of that, you have all your throwables. So when they get close, you bait them in, and then you just lob everything you have at them and you wipe them. Like breaking that shit is hard. I I agree, Chris. But we had we had uh, uh we had Sam on, and Sam said this is one of the hardest situations that's out there. <sighs> and I love the way I love the way uh, everybody's spamming W raid King Zuzu. Thank you for the one viewer raid. You're an animal. Thank you very much. I really love how Florida um, broke this hill. You can see the guy off old, right? It's Havoc. He's going to take the long route. He's going to go to P2 while the rest of his team plays through mid and AC. Once he wins that fight, P2, you can see because of the pinch, look at where that guy spawns, right? MC, he's going to spawn out. They set it up perfectly. They're going to swarm onto the hill and they get a clean break. They ended up going into a listening with FaZe as they were losing the map. So uh, that was interesting. If you guys want to watch it back, you can, but... Uh, Florida, they actually get a pretty big hold here. They get a lot of time, and they're pretty much right there. I mean, they're up, uh, uh, you know, a pretty good amount here as uh, as we go into a third set of rotations. The Florida Mutineers, they work a couple nice breaks. Like, there's two or three really nice breaks from Florida. I thought they worked really well with one another. Um, they were able to win this map and close this one out. Uh, they end up tying it up. We go to a map five. We'll take a look at the scoreboard. Capsule 32 and 27. What a map from him. What a map. Uh, like to see him doing his thing. 3,500 damage. Brack, 28 and 16. He had another good one. Uh, on the other side, Simp and Abizi, right? Don't see the terrorists too often uh, struggling like that. But they had a rough map. Only one positive in this one was Slasher. He was the only one uh, that was able to stay uh, above that 500. But any final thoughts on a, uh, on a map four, guys, before we head into the last and final map of the day? No, I mean, big, big cap. Great, great map out of him. Extremely tippable. Brack yeah. as well. And surprisingly, both Tiny Terrors really struggled. No real this map impact. was crazy. This map was crazy. But then we went to uh, map five and said it busy. Said hold that. I'm just gonna go hit my forward on my stick. I was and about get to say yeah, the tiny kills. terrors might have, yeah they might have struggled there Ben, but not in the S and D. Yeah, not in the S and D. Talk about it. The terrors. Hundred first bloods. E oh, he had hundred first bloods. Did he? Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, this insane. year. This year. The next closest is Shotzi with seventy three. That's insane, bro. That is insane. I mean, you saw how they were able to do it. Abizi and Simp literally just ran at the at the other team. They just ran A. They challenged it. Then we go into the 0, uh, 01 round. Look what they do again. They challenge it again. It's going to be Cell. He's going to play through Tunnel. They're going to swarm out. They're not just going to wait. They're going to child. They all run. Abizi finds two. Simp finds one. Last one up is Tyler Fellow. He's like, what the hell just happened? Where did my team go? He's going to fall. Phase. They go up 2-0. Next round, what do they do? Same exact thing, phase. They're going to take the bomb over to the A side, and they just chow. This was just, I mean, they were winning rounds so quick. Abizi, going to jump out the window, finds one, good place. His timings were on point. He's going to lay down. Slash is going to get his back, and just like that, Atlanta phase. They are able to get another round on the board. Slash finds a couple kills. They're just running at A. I mean, they're literally just hard sprinting at A. I well, mean, you know what's crazy? So with the new spawns, like that's technically less viable. I just think Florida doesn't like have the like the new timings mapped down their head because like, for example, if they would have just got a trophy down, 
on the bush and just pre-aimed like this bottom door pre-aimed the window like a bz's not running out but they're not even looking at it one yeah. guy's just sprinting at it the other guys just kind of sitting back like they're just like they're not used to this timing um not to say the map's perfect but it's, it's definitely a lot more manageable than it was before because mm -hmm. before if they got that close spawn your chalk like they're beating you no matter what yeah and you can't even you don't have a chance but it's not that bad anymore hey you see a bz right in the in the fifth round he does it again he just runs at him through a he finds a two-piece kills him off hedges uh, they go up 1-4 here. Uh, and then uh, the 1-4 round, uh, it, this, this was an interesting uh, interesting setup from, from FaZe. They had Simp up top. And then he had a guy underneath them, uh, MC. He's able to find one. Simp finds another one. If he was able to find this third, that might have been around towards FaZe. But MC, I put MC with a bunch of question marks in this round because he tries to do... I don't know what MC tried to do right there. Uh, but he went rogue. He just jumps off. But, um, you know, Florida, they're able to get another round on the board. It's just a lot of eight counters. And then I like this round here from FaZe. They used the streak that, I, that they got. BZ was absolutely pissing. He bangs it off the top of the building. So he was able to find a kill. And they get the information. They know the B site is wide open. The streak is not just for kills, but it's also for info. And they do a good job using that information and executing. They rush over to B. They're able to find another kill. And now it's a 4v2 situation. Bomb goes down. Florida, they're absolutely chalked. Nothing that they can do there unless they world star. And then we get into the final, or not the final round. This is interesting because I thought Simp was about a ninja to fuse this. So you can see how this how this happens. Uh, Simp in a 1v2 situation. 30 seconds left on the clock. Chris actually decides to just lay down and hop the bomb, which I understand why he did it, and it almost worked. I think he got it like 80% of the way up. And then Fellow, he checks the bomb, and he takes him off. But that would have been a crazy ninja defuse if he would have got that. A tough way to lose. And then we no, get into the... Uh, cheese, to be honest. And then we get into the last round, and it's a 2v4 um, from Abizi and MC. Abizi, he's able to find two kills down low. Now it's a 2v2, and it's left onto Tyler Fellow and Brack to try and uh, close this one out. But the boys over at phase, Abizi, he's going to jump out. He's going to chow this last guy over on the awning. He's going to fall. Last one up. Is Brack on the hedges? Abizi's gonna take him out, and just like that, Abizi goes fourteen and five to Lord. win this map five. I mean, Abizi just completely took over. Two and four from Slasher, six and three from MC, seven and five from Simp, but fourteen and five from Abizi. That's a typical uh, performance out of Tyler right there. So, uh, great work from him. Uh, any final thoughts, guys? We went to a last map, Atlanta face Florida. Any final thoughts on the series? I thought Florida looked much better today compared to what they showed yesterday. They looked like they were playing more as a team today, yeah. and I think they just need to keep playing like that. I mean, when you get, when you get those monstrous performances out of Brack and Cap, like this team can actually go places. But the thing is, they're just like inconsistent. I know they're a new team still, but like the new team cheese is gonna is gonna be is not gonna be an excuse that they can make forever. I mean, at the end of the day. The fact that they've made these changes and they're looking this good, like, or not this good, but at least competitive at times is actually kind of typical, man. Whatever they got going over there, system-wise, coach-wise, like, it's it's starting to show some improvement, which is is good for Muneers. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I was going to say, they look better, um, but I still think this should have been a 3-0 series. And when yeah. we went game five, like, phase undefeated on that map with a 91% first blood win rate, so, like, I, I don't know. I still think this team just got kind of lucky. Not lucky, I hate saying that, but like they, they got by on that game too, which extended this series, but I think it could have been a 3-0. Yeah. would have had a different... Yeah, at the other day, bro, we're nearing the end of the season. Like, I feel like we're starting to get to that point later where 
like hard points yeah i think phase still needs to improve like they need to at least get over the fucking 50 50 mark i think they're under they're just underneath that they're like at 40 something percent in terms of their win loss in hard point but like we're gonna get to the the tail end of the season where like hard point is just not gonna be a reliable like super reliable game mode i feel like every team is gonna be competitive and sometimes you're gonna have those like crazy fluke losses so um phase or phase still got improved in that game mode but i mean they're still really good at search and their controls looking a little bit better so we'll see all right well let's get into predictions i was just looking at, at ben's uh reddit post to see what kind of questions are coming in there's a lot of trolley questions so you know i'll pick a couple questions out of there and like a couple good ones uh and we'll go with the flow with that one but let's do predictions we got the boston breeds going up against london next friday 3 p.m eastern Followed by Florida versus Seattle. Followed by the New York Subliners going up against the Minnesota Rocker. I'll kick things off. I got Boston Breach 3-0 over the London Royal Ravens. Pat, who you got? Yeah, Boston. If you pick London to win, you are smoking that good, good, Tom. Yeah, Chris, who do you got? Uh, Boston. Ben? Boston, man. Sorry, London. I, was just, huh. I, I don't know how you can pick them in this series. Then we got the what Florida... do you think the odds are on that series to bet? <laughs> Uh, someone can let us know what the line is right now. I'd also love to know. Uh, then we got the Florida Mutineers going up against Seattle Surge. I'm actually going to go Seattle 3-2. I can see Florida making it a series. I think Seattle have been looking pretty good, though. I think they, they got some confidence uh, with them. I think they're going to ride off some momentum. Uh, I, I can see Seattle taking that one. I'll go 3-2. Pat, who do you got? Uh, I think this is one of those series where it's going to determine the roller coaster for the Surge. And I'm going to go with a 3-2 upset Florida Mutineers. All righty, Chris. Who do you got? Uh, I think Seattle looked pretty good lately. Uh, I'm going to pick Seattle. Ben? Uh, I think I got Seattle 3-1 in this one. All righty. Now we got the New York Subliners going up against the Minnesota Rocker. I mean, I know Rocker came off a 2-0 weekend. Um, they look a lot better, actually, with, with, with Fame. I feel like maybe, uh, you know, Fame was, was a good choice. I mean, he came in. He looked really good. I thought he played really well. Um, and then you got the New York Subliners, who I think is a really good team. I, th I feel like the way people have been talking about New York after a couple rough events, I feel like people are kind of counting them out, but I, I'm definitely not counting them out. I'm going to go with the New York Subliners. I'm going to go 3-1. Uh, I think the New York Subliners are going to take care of business in this one. Pat, who do you got? New York or Minnesota? I'm going to go New York here. Um, I, I think, you know, Rocker won't be at the little home event thing again. Uh, we'll be back in the online the online match so i'm gonna go with new york subliners in a 3-1 winning both hard, point, hard points chris i want to say new york but listen i got fame on my fantasy so like i gotta i gotta i gotta pick the rocker here he was looking good out there in there in that opening series uh hopefully you can uh pull out another uh well i guess this would be an upset so another upset here versus new york yep ben what do you got um it's a tough one. I want to say last map, and it's just going to be a classic rocker online choke against New York, and New York will take it. In too many rocker blows on games fives, and I got to go with New York on this one. Yeah, but they got right. fame, bro. The default character. Um, before the default like, character, yeah, yeah, it looks just, like a default I just, character. I just put uh, two hundred and fifty thousand right. channel points on Ben missing the putt. Mm -mm. Uh, well, first we're going to do community questions today. 
Um, we got some questions coming in, and uh, uh, let's take a look at the at some of them uh, coming in, bro. Let's see what some of the people are saying. We got Dizzy Jam coming in. This is the top one. What player do you think the pros rate differently to the average CDL viewer, Ooh. and why? I think Slasher is a great example of this. I also see a lot of people again saying stuff like this. The easiest cop out is the Flanks Golden Boy Asum, a thousand percent. Uh, percent for real. Zuma shills so hard for Asum. Dude's never done anything except have uh, a good major one time. It's weird because I could have sworn Scump was on stream about a month ago saying Asim is a fantastic player for these guys, but nobody said anything when, when Scump said it. But because he's a friend of mine and I, I because he's a friend, I still think highly of him. I still think he's a good player. I think it's very hard for a good player to do good in a system that just has no idea what they're doing. I mean, if, if the team's not going to play well together and they're not going to work together and not play the game the right way, I mean, there's not much anybody can do no matter just, how good you are. Been He's been on poo poo pp teams, bro. Like, well, he's like, you, I test wise, and like, if you talk to the guy and like listen to his comms, like, you know, he understands the game and he's not like, he's not, it's not like he's not talented. Like, he just hasn't been on the best teams, period. That, dude, like, that is literally the argument I made for why some of like the top tier challenger players jumped the gun when they joined some of these shit teams because they come in and regardless of how good they are, their stock gets obliterated because they just joined the worst team in the league. Go ahead, ben, take it over. No, no one is good on a on a shit team. Like, it's, it's just it's just how it is in this. No, one, no one is good on a shit oh. team, bro. Especially yeah, this possible. Uh, this game is the blender game, bro. Worse than MW twenty nineteen. Are there? I, I guess to you, Chris. First, like, are there any players you think that are like mega mm -hmm. underrated? Do you think like we don't gas up on the show or do like stuff that maybe people don't see? Just kind of watching. I could probably say I'd probably say assault. I think at least me and Pat, I think Assault is very good. I think Assault is another one of those players that he kind of was in the same circle of teammates for a very long time until he got kind of outcasted into um, essentially like challengers and stuff like that. But I always thought Assault was very good. He's a big, he's a big game player and he's always like super calm and composed and he's, he's disgusting. I think he's always been a very good player. So I think a lot of people at least from my perspective, might not see Assault as a really good player, but I think he's a, he's a great player. Um, Kiz, Kiz in the chat said that's not true because people can change dynamics. Bro, you joined a team with Crim6 and Hydra. That is not comparable to what we're talking about. Like, we're talking about these players joining teams with, like, bottom... Bottom of the, of barrel, the barrel fucking players. players like, huh? like, it's much different. Um, yeah, did, uh, did all you guys answer? All you guys answered uh, no the question? top players on that team. Bro, Kismet, like, listen, I, you got, you definitely got better over the years, and, like, you obviously are a great player now, but, like, you were on that old Paris Legion squad. Oh, that team was rough. And at least from what I, like, bro, I, like, bro, you bro, know me. Hydra, I knew you were a good player, not, and you Hydra's were on that team, and you guys were. Barrel. I just lost fool. Bro, that team just sucked, but the players weren't bottom of the barrel. Like, Bro, Hydra, we've been talking about him being like a top three sub this whole time. Yeah, it also wasn't one player. You made it How did we get into change. this convo? Because I, I had to get up and go. We basically said no player can be good on a shit team. Like, it doesn't matter how good you are. Like, if you join a shit team with no talent, no talented players, you're just not going to be good. You're not going to do well. Right. Kids, bro, if you are spawning it, his New bro, York example, but it's like we were talking about London, bro. Like, 
Bro, I'm sorry. There's no Hydras or Crims or Winners on that level. Nah, I mean, is what it is. On these games, on this game nowadays, if you're spawning out because your teammate licks because your teammates lick a wall and you have to break some of these hills, you are getting fucking farmed. Sure, you might play for a one and try to play for a hard kill and maybe boost your statistics in one way, but if you're trying to actually play for the win, bro, you are getting fucking farmed in these games. It doesn't matter how good you are. You're sitting there, and and and, and if you're not getting farmed and your teammates are and your your team is getting mega slammed, you are killed whoring so come on bro you can't dude this this i mean, this game I mean especially... listen, and, and maybe this will will help the argument because i i'm trying to see it from kismet and, and troy's because i see center i see kismet in 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 the chat because they're, they're both typing i feel like the better player whether or not they're getting good results or not like the better player on the team will 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 have opportunities where that he shines above the rest you know what well, i mean sure but at no, the end of the day too... as we were talking about like a. Uh, uh, the, like some of the top challenger players coming in and joining like these bottom of the barrel teams like it's it's kind of just pointless because there's literally no future in that bottom of the barrel team like because you're yeah. stock, like yuli yuli i don't know how good yuli is i don't know how good he could be but coming in and joining that london team bro he's gonna get he's gonna get obliterated and he's not gonna look to whatever talent he may have had or may have you know been at just because he's joining a team that sucks and you're Bro, basically suck basically team. put it this way an average player is going to look better playing with good people than if he's playing with the worst people it's just a known it's a known fact bro like it's not it's not hard to understand if you have let if if you are an average player and you are playing with the best players in the world like you're probably going to find a little bit more success than if you were playing with the worst players in the world. Like, yeah, it, that's, com that's, com that's, that, that that's common. That's common sense. That's common sense. It's it's common sense. Also, like Kismet for you in the chat. Um, good example for you is like, yeah, you might you might be really good. But at the same time, if no one picks you up and puts you in these ideal scenarios, Tommy Zuma was saying or Tommy was saying how, oh, if you are that good, you will get those opportunities. Sure. But how sometimes how long is that going to take, bro? Kismet, you are gross. And I and bro, I've known this from playing you in challengers. And I've known this for a long time. Like, I know the type of player you are. You were sitting in challengers for fucking how long? Sure. You got your you finally got your opportunities. But how long did that take you when in your opinion? And you're like, wow, I can change this dynamic of a team, sure. But bro, if you got if you were if you spawned in on Paris again, no offense, with like the worst team in the league or or the current London squad worst team in the league, you really think you were gonna change that dynamic and make them like one of the best teams, if not a competitive roster? Fuck no. Nah, no, you get smoked and then go back Fuck to no. or reassign on London, whatever it would have been. He said, uh, of course it's just not the way the cookie crumbles. I'm just saying to not kill people. We're realist. Right. Oh, oh, I mean, I mean, listen, I, I don't I don't disagree with Kismet when he says like it's it's definitely not impossible. Like it's possible. No, but you have to have you have to join a team that like there it, it's possible to save. Bro, Hydra was on that team. Krim, the the literally the winningest player of all time. Like you had pieces there and they made a two person change and brought in two people that they Wait. realistically needed. Somebody that some environment is just totally different. Bro, somebody like, said Clay somebody said Clay changed Vegas. They had the what? They still have Donnie. Donnie was good godlike in vanguard now they got clay and donnie and then they obviously pick up you know whoever the hell they pick up but clay didn't just single-handedly change that donnie was already a really good piece on that team oh wait i'm also mind blown what do we what do we talk about when we say change vegas these guys are still ninth like okay we're, yeah we're, that too we're, we're still, like, bro, still not in the best spot possible but you get yeah, the point they're better but they're still ninth like uh yeah okay yeah no, well, no you're right ninth and 11th bro like you're on. you're right you're right well, you, you get the point, there, let's, move, like, let's move to the next question let's move to the next one um on, do you guys. think phase upgrade from slasher next year do you see uh do you see phase making a change for slasher next year 
Probably not unless they could get like six. I think it's hard to say now without seeing their placements. I, I, you you would say Slasher probably. I mean, the trio phase has been playing together for years. Like everybody knows Slasher's like the odd one out of the team. But they already got a major win already. They've gotten good placings. Like I think Slasher's a good player. Like I think he brings a lot to the team. Yesterday he really struggled. He got pooped on yesterday. They but, haven't got outside the top three, right? At an event? No, I don't think so. Yeah, and they went on like a set twenty game SD winning streak or some shit. Yeah, I think they're fine. Yeah, I mean, unless there's like a crazy player that they're that's attainable, that like yeah. that's a different story. You know what I mean? Yeah, then maybe. But at the same time, bro, like this game, the skill gap is, but the skill gap is smaller than Vanguard's. That's that shit's crazy. Um, on top of that, they're playing a game where like their weakest game mode is hardpoint, and I've said this, I've said this on the show three million times. The best game mode in this game, and probably the most consistent game mode, is gonna be search and destroy this year. And you see it with the uh, with the amount of win streaks and loss streaks that teams are having because it genuinely is hard to be consistent in search in this game like it takes more skill hard point in this game bro you the best hard point the team could literally lose the worst hard point team like it, it, we've seen it every we've seen it we see it all the time it literally like once a weekend somebody's just getting losing a hard point somehow to a team that just should not win the the, the map um they're clearly they obviously have their woes in hard point i'm not making an excuse for their hard point um they obviously can get better and they definitely should at least get over the 50 percent margin but that like if their one woe this year is struggling in hp bro who's to say that's going to happen next year you know ideally if the skill ceiling gets you know raised I yeah, I, also I, think think, I, th I think Austin brings a lot of different intangibles to the team, too, just in terms of, like, being a play caller and being a leader. Like, he, you know, he's he's definitely a good player. But I've said in the past, and I always die by this, like, I think IGLing and, and stuff like that is, like, some of the most overrated stuff in God, in my opinion. I feel like all four players should be, like, should be giving input and calling stuff in games. Like, I feel like everybody needs to be talking uh, and, and saying what to do. But I, I agree with you, Tom, but, like, the reality is not a lot of people – can do that and it's yeah. that's like just the flaw with players like that's not something that's mm. ever gonna go away uh ix do you think that x defines commitment to being horrible at communication may be hurting the game leaving fans in limbo regarding play tests release dates etc makes no sense to me and honestly kills some of the hype wait I'm, I'm confused what does he mean communication we've literally been extremely transparent with everything that we're doing i don't know i have no idea but we'll move on to the next one. Can you explain why it's worse to be Seattle, not a team like Boston? How Seattle is super consistent, top two to top 12. At least when a major comes, they have a chance to win the event. But a team like Boston is kind of stuck top eight and struggles to make Sundays. Can you explain why it's worse to be Seattle? I gotta reread this. Dude, like some Boston. of these questions on Reddit, bro. Can you explain why it's worse to be Seattle, not a team like Boston? How Seattle is super inconsistent, top two to top 12. At least when the major comes, they have a chance to win the event. But a team like Boston is kind of stuck top eight and struggles to make cool. Where's that? Where's that Billy Madison? Meme, I mean, but, but Boston just made a Sunday. <laughs> they were just top four. That's the only thing. That question is horrible. I don't even know what he's asking, to be honest with you. Next. Hold on, hold on, bro. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta He's speaking in hieroglyphics, bro. Nah, hold I... on, bro. I gotta put the. Have you guys seen the movie uh, Billy Madison? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Bro. That is the most incoherent this statement. Is every ever, time yeah. I go on Reddit, bro. Anytime I read anything on Reddit. Wait, I got a question for Tom and Ake since they were play, uh, were players. What do you think about players? Uh... Dude, my bad, Chris. <laughs> 
Yeah, and, and yeah, no, he didn't. Yeah, he just like completely <laughs> forgot that Chris is a player too. Uh, I got a question for Tom and Ake, since they were players. What do you think about players' mentality these days? I see a lot of players complaining about their circumstances, org situations, etc. Example: Clayster, RCD's Kenny controller situation, Optic forfeiting earlier this year. Personally, I don't think any of these are legit excuses, but players let these check them. Do COD pros need to have a stronger mindset? Uh I'll take this one, Tom. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll go after you. Yeah, I got it. I, I, I actually don't disagree in the sense that I think uh, players are way more entitled than they were in the past. I think the amount of money that players in general make has changed um, a lot. It, like when we were making uh, like bottom of the barrel salary and the prize monies were much lower, like I feel like there was a, there was, there was a little bit more of a... Uh, a pride aspect to competing and i think nowadays like it's a lot of uh you know entitlement across the board and more than just like you know stuff toward the cdl or in general so i do think the amount of money uh people make has changed a lot and i think that's just a natural progression honestly of just how it's going to happen um when when people make way more money doing something they did before for less money but um Overall, I, I think it's just something that's not going to really change. I think it's just kind of like the day and age that we're in now and the expectations that are set and are probably going to stay set. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't think um, people complaining and stuff like that um, and letting get letting themselves get checked necessarily. Obviously, that's like they, they, people definitely need to have stronger mindsets, but I don't think it's wrong for them to complain about these things like, bro, these guys do this shit every day for a living and people want their daily lives to be as smooth as possible when little shit that is under your control comes in and throws off your entire day or something that you've been working imagine this you are putting every single hour of your day into practicing and trying to be as prepared as possible for a big event something that's going to potentially change your career is going to affect the season and something comes in and throws you off that literally you can't control it just ruins your fucking opportunity, even if it even if it might not directly affect it, where it's like it like fully chalks you like, bro, that is taxing. We deal I with mean, shit like this on a daily basis as competitors. I, I just don't think it's that black and white. I think it just depends about what they're bitching about. Yeah, yeah well, like, obviously, of like, course. So, like some some things that people say, it's like, OK, like what the hell is this guy saying? And sometimes it's like, yeah, all right, it's pretty valid. Like Kenny, I mean, his controller breaking. I mean, that all happened on camera. It was in the zero to 100. Like I would lose fucking composure. If my controller It was bro. right before the match. He didn't have a chance to work. I would lose. Bro, if, I, yeah. if my controller was broken before a match, I'm losing composure. Like, let me give you let me give you a hypothetical situation, right? You're at COD Champs. Let, let, let me... Damn, damn. Slay, you just took the whole... I was going to go through a whole story. Oh, my bad. I didn't know that first, was... I didn't know that was what First series, you're, you're at Call of Duty Champs. First series of the weekend, right? First first team on that stage. First team on a setup. And there's a construction... Uh, 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 a construction light. A construction highway light right behind you shining on your monitor. And you can't... And you can't fucking see your monitor, right? You go 4 and 23. You, you might happen to go like 4 and 23 something. You can't do anything about that, bro. Like, you just play, you just, you're going to lose full. Like, if you can't do something about something you can't change, you're going to lose composure. Like, I said something to the referee. He didn't say no. He said we can't do anything about it. You got to play or you forfeit. And I played. And I got shit on. And I lost full. You know right. what I mean? 
Bro, I think we all have stories like that because I have one that was really bad, Tom. <laughs> back in back in Call of we Duty all got Ghost, stories, bro. Back in Call of Duty Ghost, when we first made the transition from Xbox 360 to Xbox One, we were going to the regionals qualifier for um, Call of Duty champs. Or, well, this is the one where Doug beats you, Pat, and, and he holds that shit to this day. Whatever. Damn, my controller bad. was in my bag. My controller was in my bag. I'm getting set up to play my first qualifier match. I open up my bag. I see my controller is broken. The stick is completely fucked. It's like Man. dislodged from the thing, whatever. Wait, hold on. I'll real quick to interrupt you. You didn't put your controller in a case? They didn't know. That was back when they first made them. They didn't give me a case. It was the... It was the yeah, back, back in the day, no, I didn't this, have a case either. This, I have a case either back in the day. This was back in the day when they didn't give me a case. Pat, this was, the, my this was during the transition to Xbox... This was during the transition to 360 to Xbox One, where Scuff literally sent out like brand new xbox one scuffs like that like barely released yeah, and they got kept it in listen, the listen, listen 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 well, yeah, well, nah, listen yeah i don't on. care regardless if it's on me or not what i'm saying is they i, I literally open up my my shit the controller is completely broken and back then they didn't really have scuff boosts like that right but they had one at they didn't have one at region or they did have one yeah, at regionals no, but right. guess what they only had default like the, the the default like layout it was left stick concave right stick domed and i didn't play with that at the time i played with two concave sticks and apparently no people didn't know this but they were medium height and the fucking ones at the scuff booth were both small sticks and domes. So I had to grab a controller from there. Nobody had a spare because, right, the controllers are basically brand new. Um, and I had to play with that shit. So without a warm up and I didn't play too good in the first series, we ended <laughs> up not qualifying. We ended up not qualifying for COD Champs and Ghosts. That was back when I was playing with Ricky, Killa, and now, this, miracles? This, this whole conversation is just comedy to me because this Ricky. guy was this guy was on Reddit complaining about how players are like always bitching and stuff, and then we just start bitching on the flag yeah. about about <laughs> old shit. Like, I, I, no, I hold on. Like, well, well, no, but it's <laughs> that shit, bro. That shit checks your entire dude. Yeah, that's that, comedy. When shit like that happens to you, you lose it, bro. You're just like, dude, why am I using a dome stick right now? Ben, Ben, any stories when you're out on the golf course in a tournament or something? And fucking your club is broken or some shit. Any any stories? Because we know your ass wasn't competing in COD. We know that, Ben. We know that. <clears throat> but is there any other game that you can think of, Ben J, that you played? No, no, you guys keep rolling with this combo. I got nothing to add. Well, Ben, well, I think it's time that no, we I'm hit saying, a pop. I'm saying I got nothing to add, Tom. You guys, wait, you got, uh, wait, last I'm not, I can't you got, to your Slay, you got a story, story. You, you got, got a story? story? I got I got a lot of stories. Right, give us your best one. Alright, give us one. Give us one good oh, story, bro. Right? Give us one. Give us one. Yeah, something that something that mega checked you at a tournament oh, oh, or like oh, at oh, any oh, point did, gaming related. It, it didn't mega check me, but check this, check this. <clears throat> I know what he's gonna wait. Wait, I know what he's gonna say. I know exactly. He's gonna talk about the the stitches in the head. He's gonna talk about the stitches in the head. Nah, nah, nah. That that didn't check me, Tom. That just got me right. You know what I mean? That got me (laughs) right. No sleep. Six stitches in the thumb showed up. Two series from loser bracket against the newly formed Optic Dynasty shut him down. Uh, No problem. (laughs) I do. But that wasn't what I was gonna talk about. What are we gonna say, Pat? Uh, God, I got so many stories, bro. Uh, I'll go back. I'll take us back to 2014, Tom. Okay. 2014. 2014 i'm listening so you know just just got done going through 13 of 14 grand finals okay, okay? <laughs> in a row tom in a row and the only one that we didn't make was um pax uh west when Haggy wanted to use like riot shields and shit at some yeah, like what the fuck chris riot wait, Ricky, wait that was ricky's tech and you did make the grand finals you just lost to me 
Damn, no, my bad. I'm, 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 I'm bad. I'm, a, I'm a, sorry. I did take one 13 of 14 events. Uh, um, yeah. And got I second at PAX West because Chris Wonder used a riot shield, whatever. Prize money difference was like 50 bucks. It wasn't big. Dude, use a riot shield. Um, I'll watch over you mid. <laughs> anyway, anyway, Tom, win COD champs. Okay. Win COD champs. Come home. Win, uh, win PAX East season one playoffs and then win UGC. It was a really quick time frame. And during this time, Tom, you know, I'm on my business grind, right? I'm talking to uh, Alex Garfield, who was at the time CEO of Evil Geniuses. And for those of you who may not know, EG at the time was the biggest uh, org in esports. Like North America cleared the rest in in esports in 2014. I don't know about that, but wow. No, it's a fact. It's a fact. In 2014, that's a fact. Okay, keep going. Um. And I'm talking about global esports, not like COD. Like get to the fucking point. What the fuck, Pat? Damn. Anyway, no, this is a big one. Uh, anyway, so negotiate with Alex Garfield uh, a way to buy us out of Complexity, and so Complexity sells us for at the time the biggest buyout in Call of Duty history. Um, I think it was like 90k for all of us back then. Coaching included. This was a big. This was a lot of money back then. Um make this happen right we go to eg and then and then all of a sudden mlg wants to get you know wants to get involved too much and they decide they want to go to mlg.tv and create mm. this new platform for everybody to stream on and and force all cod content to be exclusive to that platform right and as as you know as we all know what happens in in the call of duty community when a platform that's not the main platform gets forced for exclusivity it's good for nobody but at the EG time was sponsored by twitch e- eg was not only sponsored by Partnered twitch or whatever but they were in process of being bought out by twitch so twitch was buying the eg brand right right right, right. you can wake up for this one trust me <laughs> and, so, and so us being sponsored we could not stream at all we could not do anything because league matches that happened every weekend and you had to stream them uh, it was like the rules. Mm-hmm. You couldn't stream, and this is like the height of our of our situation, and uh, and we couldn't stream. We couldn't do anything. So with that, created a lot of turmoil with MLG mm. and uh, our team in general. So I started streaming on Twitch with a black screen that said like "fuck you, Adam Apicella and Sundance," <laughs> and I put their emails on the black screen. I, I told yeah. everybody to email them. Uh, no, are you doxed them like that ass? I just put their email. It wasn't a doc. Their emails were public information. It was in their bio. Nah, it's public. It's public like, info. It's public info. Like MLG TV and Sundance MLG TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. In their bio. Anyway, put that in my, my stream, and I streamed just comms because we weren't allowed to stream the gameplay. Um. Anyway, that led to some arguments uh, internally and behind the scenes, which then led to, to me saying some words to some MLG employees. Right. And uh, at the time, I, I got banned, Tom. Um. Man, I got banned. Yeah, Tom, if you want to Google MLG or Ake's MLG Detriment, you can get some articles. Uh, okay. There's a PC Gamer one. There's a Dot Esports one. You could pick your, you know, whatever you'd like. Um, okay. I, got, I got banned, and MLG decided to release an article that said my behavior was detrimental to the league. Mm. Um, and so we had to end up using a sub for our league matches, and it was uh, Facinto who subbed in. Um, they ended up losing all the matches without me. You know, it is what it is. Uh-huh. I was, I was that guy. Right. Um, and then that that ended up making my team not qualify for season three playoffs, 
because we lost all of our all those matches like it was a lot that i got suspended for it was like it was like six i think mm -hmm. uh which was a lot and my team didn't qualify so then we didn't make season three playoffs uh and this was in ghost and then that kind of checked our team and then uh our team broke up and then uh damon had a well this is before our team broke up damon was having a baby and he was going to miss a tournament and we wanted to go to the said tournament we had to get a fill-in uh, and then we ended, didn't end up going, but then Damon was checked and we loaned Damon the phase and we picked up Dito. And then we go to the last event, the ESWC event. I had like a 1.5 for the dub. Right. Uh, <laughs> win that last event, you know, just, just, you know, you know, show what was good. And then, uh, and then the EG team completely splits. Optic decides to buy us all out. Money went in my pocket, by the way. Uh, I think it was like, since our contracts were expiring, I think Hector and Nade paid 15k for the four of us Damn. and we each got 3k i don't Good think they deal. got their money because they were getting bought out but teep and damon went to the b team krim went to the a team and i was like all right well i'm gonna go to phase i go to phase tom mm -hmm. cut my hand at the hotel <laughs> sunday night leading into championship sunday i got like, i got the i got the uh, leading kd at the event on the saturday night like going into sunday leading kd yep. get no sleep tom none at all yep. <laughs> go into Sunday, get wow. stitched up five, six stitches in the right thumb, the shooting thumb, by the way. Yeah. Um, it was on your palm, but yeah. Nah, the scar. Shooting right thumb? <laughs> it, was on, it, thumb. It, it was on his palm. The right, the right stick. Anyway, go to the, go show up, get absolutely world starred the first series. We got 3 out. I didn't get no warm up because Adam was debating whether he should let me play because I was, I was bleeding still a little bit, you know, freshly stitched up. Yeah, I slammed you. Um, got 3 0 yeah. Went to the loser bracket. And then slammed back to back to back series. I think it was like denial. Tom, yeah, you were on we that got one. yeah, we got slammed. We got slammed. And then TK yep. slammed them bad. Detroit yep. uplink was like twenty to three. It was bad. And then and then slam ha uh, Chris again in the loser finals when he was still trying to use camouflage on me even though it was GA. Whoa, stop, then, dude! It wasn't then, me. Nah, Chris, well, you always doing sketchy shit, bro. Keep no, going it was back. not, bro. It's always, dude. It was always rigged, bro. Like, Rick back. always going, loves bro. those yeah. cheesy you know, ass shits, bro. Then we load up in the grand finals versus versus the newly formed God Squad on Optic, Crim, Formal, Scump, Nasha, and then absolutely had my way with them in a best of eleven, winning two best of fives. Um, yeah. Taking home the chip, phases, yeah. phases championship at the time. Everything is going good, and yeah, Tom, that was that was how that was how <laughs> getting banned from MLG uh, checked me for a little bit, checked my team. But Bro, I, if I you think about it, MLG team. broke up your complexity team. It, uh, well, like that like and, like and like the yeah. domino effect. They then, broke up your complexity team in domino effect. Yeah, and then Optic deciding to buy my teammates for like the seventeenth time, but yeah. That happens, bro. That's what's that going happens. on. Hey, listen, Pat, thank you very much uh, for your story. I really appreciate Absolutely you tough. sharing. It was a great story. Thank you very much. Ben, why don't you sink a I hope that answered that guy's question. Nah, that, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I think we're good. I hope yeah. I answered this question as well. Ben, why don't you uh, sink us out with a putt? How about that? Why don't you sink us, bro? You, you go, go do what you got to do, Get the man. light going. I'm going to get this putt going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, dude. I'm, I'm confused, though. The timer ran out on the, 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 the poll, and all my channel points are they're gone. What happened with that? They're gone. Yeah, Chris is hidden. You gotta let I me think know. I think that I think they're banked. He has to like distribute them to whoever wins. Like it's not like done. Oh, okay. the timer's just for like entering. I think. No, am I wrong? Oh, I could be in. wrong. They're locked in. Okay. Mm. Oh, optic halo one. Oh, optic halo beat phase. Damn. Good tries. Wait, Chris, Good tries. I'll tell you what. That, op that that optic halo team is like a fucking dynasty at this point, bro. Wait, those guys. Those guys keep winning. Hey, Chris, 
Pop, what happened? What bro, happened? we didn't see it. You got to do it again. You didn't even hit it. You didn't bro, even hit it. Wait, Ben, you got to do it again. We didn't even watch. We didn't watch. We didn't watch it. Ben, we didn't even watch it. We didn't even watch it. We didn't even watch it. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. We didn't even watch it. We weren't ready. Bro, you got to make sure we're ready, Ben. We got to make sure we're ready, Ben. Nah, chill, chill, chat. Replay. Yo, yo, he got a free replay. Nah, nah. He missed it? Did he miss it? Did he miss it? Yo, he got a free replay. Yeah, just go again. Ben, hit it, man. We didn't see it. We're at full screen now. Yo, he got the free replay, bro. Nah, he missed. He's gonna miss it again too. Uh, no way, he sunk it. Now, nah, what did he do the first time though? That, nah, nah, Chris, he sunk it. What happened the first time? What happened the first time? Nah, nah. Both cuts were clean. Nah, get the fuck. Was both oh, cuts? Made, were they clean? Made, oh, were they clean? I, I, I won on the replay, bro. I won on the replay. Nah, you missed the first one, Ben. You missed no. the first one. What? The first one was dead center. Ben, what are you ben, talking you gotta, about? You gotta be an honorable man right now. We got channel bro, points on the line. VA, bro, VAR, bro. That shit we gotta go to VAR, but I was, I was switching <laughs> scenes, man. Why did I do that? You still had him. You still had him in the top right. Oh my, why is my, my roommate parking? Why did I do bro? that, bro? I just wanted bro, to show bro. the picture, bro. Look to slay him, bro. I just wanted to show this picture, bro. Damn, Ben. We gotta go to VAR, ladies and gentlemen. We gotta go to VAR. Uh, okay. Damn, I'm tall as shit right there. No, you are. You are tall as shit. What happened? Did he make it? Did he not make it? Ben, you made both pods. Be honest. Yeah, obviously, I mean, more putts. Why would I lie on the show, Tom? They were dead center. <laughs> All that's, right, that's, ladies that's and gentlemen. All right, lie, I, yeah. I believe Ben J. I believe him. He's he's a man of his word. But as always, man, I hope you guys enjoyed the show today. All right, Chris, distribute. Chris, di Chris is hidden. Distribute the points. Go ahead. Ben, I told yeah. you I bet 250k on you missing, but I actually bet on you hitting. Nah, so it's no psychology way. to make you win. Now I'm sitting at 500k channel points, Damn. baby. Slayer just had to come up. Make sure to like, yeah. comment, subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Anchor.fm. <laughs> Slice the fight to check out audio, audio sites to run and go follow at the flank on Twitter. Girls doing a phenomenal job running socials per usual. As always, take care, brush your hair, and we'll see you guys next time on another episode of the flank, man. Take it easy, man. Have a good night. Peace.